Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly slash fortnightly movie podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. I'm Niall. I'm Philip. And I'm Jason. You're joining us today for a very special This Just In covering Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, which came into the 250 this week at number 32. Um, and has fallen to 37 over the past couple of days. Has that to do with It is only the 37th best movie of all time. <laughs> why, why are we even bothering to talk about it? I know, it feels like a waste of time just, just drifting on this. Sarah, you almost make the, two, the IMDb top 250 sound fickle. Fickle or subject to, yeah. Subject why don't we just go straight to Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> and just get it over with. The yeah, single best movie. That's all what people want you to talk about. The single best movie of all time. What's it called again? The Shipjack? Never heard of it. It's from, you know, it's from the guy who did The Mist. Oh, and the, the Walking Dead. The guy to the Majestic. Yes, that and guy. there's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and how. So yes, so Dunkirk is currently ranked lower than Interstellar. As far as Christopher <laughs> Nolan films sorry, go. Sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, Interstellar is in the top Where's plot. Where's that? 30 top 32. Which it came God. The issue was that, yeah, it came in ahead. It bumped Interstellar down one place. But don't worry, Interstellar held its ground. Wow, where's Inception? Yeah. Inception is just outside the top 10. Ah. Okay. Dark Knight is in the top 10. Of he course. said four films <laughs> in the top 40. <laughs> he the, has oh, Memento. Oh, the rage. <laughs> don't forget Memento. Where's so that? He has five top films 40. in the top 40? <laughs> he may have five films in the top 40. So he's 20 each and Batman Begins are on the top 50. 12 and a half percent of the top 40. 12.5%. As far as directors go, he is at the moment, I think, the most represented director in there. Uh, up until the release of Dunkirk, he was tied with, I believe, Stanley Kubrick <laughs> and, <laughs> and Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, oh, one sorry. ahead of Spielberg, I believe. Ah, and has the same number of Oscars <laughs> <laughs> as one of those. As one of those, yeah. Oh. Um, anyway, Denny Denny Villeneuve coming up the rear <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, Inexplicably. Some reason. Yeah. Well, at least that's, this has all cheered me up before we start, actually. <laughs> I'm not full of anger. But just... Uh, uh, just into a quick introduction for our listeners um, who are not familiar with the guests joining us today. This is the first time we've had more than one guest on the podcast. Uh, we this, have, could, this could go any number of ways. It could indeed. You could even say it could go five ways. Sponsored by Five Guys. No, no. <laughs> we make excellent pizza. Welcome to the Five Points. Ah, <coughs> one of us yeah. is Butcher Bill, but which one of us? <laughs> this is the question. But uh, anyway, so the guys here at Nile. Phil and Jay, um, they are the podcast team at Scanlon. I've, I've podcasted with them in the past. Uh, you may remember Phil has been a guest on our podcast discussing the 400 Blows. Ah, good time. Cool. Niall is the managing editor of Scanlon um, and the Sultan, the Sultan of Scanlon, <laughs> the King of Celtic Cinema. And the Irish Film Whisperer. That's <laughs> that sounds about right, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, I think that sounds good. Like he He's everywhere. That's his pearl. And he knows everything. And Jay is our resident cynic. Hey, 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 hey. Myself and Philip generally fight to the death for that one, but uh, this week I think I'll I'll wear that. I suspect you will. All right, so without any further ado. It's a dual monarchy. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I didn't go for. Essentially, essentially they are Belgium. (laughs) (laughs) Which brings us appropriately enough to the film we're about to see. So, what did we make of Dunkirk, everybody? I like it. Um, I should properly start off by saying I am a Nolan fan. Um, most people are. I know you are, Darren. I am very much. Um, and as we just discussed, uh, a lot of IMDb voters are as well. Uh, yes, it, it's. I have to wonder how much of this is just down to the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, a lot of it, I suspect. 
if he hadn't well then again if he hadn't made those we wouldn't have had Dunkirk he would never have the leverage to get those made I like all his films though to varying degrees which I think is a I think all of us are in that boat well Jay most of us are in that boat I'm I'm almost in that boat if we want to keep the Dunkirk uh, yeah there's a a boat and we're all trying to make first (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I think that's fair yeah, um, I, this is the only time in which Jay will be likened to Harry Styles in this podcast. I suspect. So yeah, but I'm coming at this from uh, uh, I'm coming at this as somebody who uh, was n- I liked Interstellar, but I ex- probably expected more from it. Although how much more he could have given us, I can't really imagine because it's just there's so much of it. But anyway, here we are with his war film, which ironically enough is also his most efficient film, his shortest, his least character-driven. His shortest since following, yeah, it's it's one hour and 40 minutes. Oh, thank you. Which is remarkable. Yeah, following his, of course, his debut, which a lot of people tend to forget, as I clearly did. This is an odd one, but I like it. It's a very lean film. It's a film, as you pointed out, without characters, the point where like several of the major characters... And one in particular played by perhaps the second most recognisable actor in the film is credited simply as Shivering Sailor. Killian like, Murphy. Killian Murphy. There's, there's a sense watching the film that these are not so much individuals or people. And one of the things that I like about it is the way that it sort of subverts a lot of the expectations of a war film. And that there's never a moment where anybody takes out a picture of their lovely. There's never a moment where somebody stops in the middle of the situation to discuss, well, it wasn't like this on the farm back home or anything like that. I like that it's very much a film that throws you in the deep end, often quite literally, but just kind of keeps powering through. It's a sense that nothing exists beyond what you're seeing on screen, that if something does exist beyond that, it's been left behind. I can, and I think it's more efficient for that. I can imagine the veterans saying, this is nothing like Dunkirk. We're all sitting around exchanging photos of our loved ones. <laughs> Writing <laughs> love letters. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason that it is so lean, the reason that it is paired back and doesn't have those moments those nostalgic type things or those remember what it was like back on the farm it's because it's British it's a British war film it's not an American war film and that's they're two very different oeuvres they are yeah. very much so that this is like you say it's not going for the easy sense mentality what I admire about it among many other things is that it lets the sheer force of the events occurring speak for themselves yeah, it's no, the Poseidon adventure. Exactly. Bombs <laughs> and bullets are being slung at these guys from all angles and you're in the thick of it for a hundred odd minutes. Yeah. It's a 70s action movie couched in a war film. It yeah. is, it but is He's described himself as, a, as yeah. a survival film and it almost feels like that in terms of how the camera's positioned. Like, Extremely tense. There are several moments where the camera like chases characters down narrow corridors or follows them as they're smothering. Not yeah. easy when those cameras are, are 65 to 70 pound uh, IMAX cameras being lugged around by poor hoity and hoity like. Well, if you look at the way that uh, Michael Bay uses IMAX cameras, he, he throws them around the place. It's well, I mean, well, yeah, but, but Michael Bay has a particular reason for using IMAX cameras. It's because he puts so much in the frame, he needs a huge camera with a very wide lens to get it all in. That's, that's how he keeps your eye busy. It's what's the basic principle of Bay Hell. Also, also exhausting. Like, watching exhausting. a Bay film is exhausting. Like, um, well, yeah, but, you know, it just... he. Bay, as he, like somebody could compare Bay and Nolan, and I defy them to do so. Somebody probably has. Yeah, I'm, oh, I don't doubt. Jay is sitting here ready to pounce. They're opposite ends well, of the spectrum, are they not? You know, the, but the the thing 
that is most telling. Anthony Hopkins doesn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest I living director. I would put him at opposite ends of the spectrum. I'd say I'm not suggesting for a second they're the same, no. or that Nolan's not a better filmmaker than they because he clearly is. But the, they have somewhat. There's some things in common there. That, yeah. They do. I mean, they're, the other end of the spectrum is reserved for your your Benatars, your <laughs> Manix, or whatever. That's doing, yeah. Like you know, it's doing their own thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like, very, like, very he, small like, scale. No one is. No one is in the same area. Exactly. Yeah, 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 but he does it much better because he knows how to tell a story using visuals. They have. It's not that he has no idea. It's just he is preying on the fact that we are quite visually sophisticated or that we are quite we're visually sophisticated but we're also surprisingly illiterate in that you know we can we can register a lot of things happening at once but that doesn't mean we're necessarily going to make any sense of it piece them together yeah yeah whereas i think of there's a shot early on in kirk where uh the nominal lead uh played by uh Fionn whitehead newcomer yeah. he's arrived on the beach at Dunkirk. Mm. having managed to get through the town alive barely and you've got that great shot where the camera's chasing exactly. him through the long corridor and basically down towards the beach yeah. and even the framing with the flagpoles but the, yeah but he arrives on the beach and he's hardly there a minute when suddenly two Luftwaffe planes start swarming in and uh, everybody has to hit the ground and just the camera's placed right beside his head and which takes up half the frame and the right hand side of the frame is just these bombs going off in a line in the distance as they fall from the sky and people are thrown up into the air and sand and whatever and yeah. it's like it's not a busy shot it's very lean it, very efficient but it's but, you know it's getting everything you need and 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 there was very little gore as well which i really appreciated in in in, in, in this. I, I like i i don't mind gore at all but um i think some sometimes it can be um, egregious or um, well, I think that's yeah. and, and 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 I think this is a movie that a lot of people should see, um, and a story that deserves to be told. So to 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 absolutely to 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 make it a kind of a a Saving Private Ryan where where I don't I don't people know. are being shredded or torn a, 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 or a a, exactly yeah and and. Well, Hacksaw Ridge has its own problems. Yeah, yeah. But is I, that representative of war if it doesn't have gore? I mean, to well, this is this is the thing. I would argue that like Nolan typically works in a PG thirteen sort of milieu, but he's very, very, very effective at getting what he needs on screen. Like The Dark Knight is a PG thirteen movie, but on the on the other hand, you see a moment where the Joker gives a guy a Glasgow smile, where he plunges a knife into his mouth. Like it's it's viscerally uncomfortable. Even on even yeah. in this movie, like. I, this is as close as I felt at points almost like I was drowning in the cinema despite the fact I had lots of air because of the way the shots are constructed the way that it's filmed I feel like you can convey that and I think Nolan does very well as he conveys that without the violence and bloodshed and gore we, we, we didn't have that much air but, um, it was the very it was the most Andrew was sitting there counting uh, IFI uh, uh, we've, we've, we've had and uh, I, I think at one point for, uh, as we were leaving there was, there was definitely somebody or some people had farted and it felt like we were trying to escape this <laughs> sinking boat. But back to our prestige picture talk. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's how Andrew feels like he connected to the veterans I'm, in Dunkirk. I was like, I'm, I had an experience. Sure that, 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 yeah. that, that smelled of fart acting. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to know, um, Phil, like I, I really enjoyed this movie as well. Um, 
I think we all enjoy this. Is that safe to say? Oh, and um, <laughs> Jay, and, and Jay steps forward. I thought it was fine. I I I liked it quite a bit. It gets bonus points for being an hour and forty. Not Me, nearly yeah, enough movies are. Yeah. I know Darren's had. We've had kind of discussions where he said like the Ebert quote of. No. A good a good movie is never long enough, and a bad movie is never short enough. And I think uh, whilst I, I I generally would have go with that, and would have gone with that over the years. I think that a lot more films are too they long. Are, they are indeed. I mean, the, 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 in the last few years, I mean, the blockbusters are joking. Yeah. Like they're they're two and a half I mean, hours now. I imagine see because they're spending two hundred and something million, they feel they have to. And no the amount of that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the reason is threefold. So the reason why blockbusters, we we have the blockbuster expanse, or we have this thing. It's digital cameras mean that you're not actually there's no film, and therefore you don't you're not having to be yeah. economic with material. Then the second one is the massively increased budgets. And the third one is the source material. When you have too much story to cram into too little time. So the, the, Hello, Lord of the Rings. Well, that's a lack of craft, then, isn't the, it, really? I mean, well, it's what's, what's, what it really comes down the, to. But the rush to get the thing to hit a date means oh, that it doesn't sure. spend as long in the sure, edit. They don't even win with a script half the time. I mean, scripts are well, kind of done on the floor. World War Z is right. a famous example where they yeah. didn't have a third act when they started filming. And yeah. Which yeah. is why the third act is Peter Capaldi in a Scottish hospital playing who doctor before he played doctor who uh-huh. uh world uh men in black three also started shooting uh, a month before the final sh- script was finished. right that happens quite routinely that, yeah. that's, that's yeah. well that's that's an expected sort of norm these days although that said nolan is somebody who spends a long time on his script i mean famously he had inception written like he'd written that over the best part of a decade dunkirk is something he'd had mulling in his mind a long time as well um you've been talking about doing something like this for years of I think it came out of a a, a family a, trip I a family, yeah a journey where the journey across the channel I heard about this yeah. I watched an interview he's um, it's just it's fascinating because you know he's taking his journey as a just as a regular person as a civilian on their own boat or whatever and he said you know he consider, he found an immensely nerve-wracking difficult experience that was without any U-boats or Luftwaffe aiming at him so yeah, I suppose you take inspiration where you find it. True, but the, the, that's that's one of the great things. Is it's you know, he tells stories that mean something to him. He's not a director for hire. He is a he's an yeah. auteur to an extent. You know, mm. he's I mean, only, oh, he is. I mean, he, yeah. he makes Christopher Nolan films. Yeah. I mean, and you can you can identify them. Yeah, you can yeah, identify I mean, them. Clearly. He so, makes the films he wants to make. You can like them or not like them, but they're undeniably his. Yeah, yeah. he's only ever directed one script that wasn't his own. That's you know, Insomnia, I'm assuming, yeah. Which is a surprisingly effective remake. It's grand. It's, it's adequate. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. adequate. It's the, I would argue it's his weakest film, excepting maybe following. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no. Ho, uh, ho! Listen, I, I am a very, very aware of how... Uh, well, I, I think I agree with Jason, if he in fact said Thank prestige. He did. For the record, we would like to say... Uh, I was following what I would probably put as the weakest film, but I think the Prestige would be after for me. That's allowed, but we're I not talking about that. We're not talking. I still haven't placed Dunkirk exactly where. Uh, some mine, I think, mentioned earlier, and this is, I think, an interesting thing. I think you mentioned things like the Poseidon Adventure and stuff, yeah. where he's kind of doing an action film or a thriller film within thing within my, my my feeling about Dunkirk, I suspect, and this may change the next few days. So I saw it last night. Is that. 10 or 20 years we may see it that way as opposed to see it as this five-star groundbreaking great film which 
a lot of people seem to see it well, as. Well, I mean, we've, sort of, we've talked about this ourselves. In ter- and this is in, for two guys who host a podcast about a list ranking the best movies yeah, of yeah, all time. Sure. In which we do a po- episodes for new entries, including films like Spider-Man Homecoming. This, this, we know how this actually works. This is how yeah. it works. But uh, we've talked about this before, how it, personally, I would argue that you should have a five-year moratorium on defining a film as a classic. Yes. Like you should at the end of five years look back. Like we're just coming out of say The Master, I would argue. Yeah. The yeah. Master is probably a film that could justifiably be called a classic. I would agree. I, I suspect you probably wouldn't need five years, but I, I've no arguments with it. And like, there's certain films that have been with that is yeah. that is test of time. I, I'd be curious if this one does. It could well do. I think it'll stand a test of time for whether it be regarded as a classic. I mean, I don't see anybody here absolutely jumping up and saying, this is the best film of the year. This is, this but there's is been classic. a lot of that. There in the has, I, which I've found surprising. I've actually seen the film twice, and I say, I, I like it very, very much. I think I think it's no best in a while, since Inception, at least, I think. Uh, what, what's, what's happened since then? Darling mean, Horizon is just set yeah, but I mean, they're, they're not great films either. I would argue The Dark Knight like Rises. I know, I know you would like The Dark Knight Rises. And you'd be wrong, but I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I disagree strongly with that both, as well. Both of those would be yeah. towards the bottom end of the Nolan thing that, for me. Sure. And let's also factor in that this is, uh, this is all very subjective, folks. No, no, it is. But I didn't say for me. But Jay is right. But I really like Inception, and I hold him quite highly. I mean, he still hasn't got better than Memento for me. But no, I don't think he will. And Dermot, Dermot wrote an excellent article on Dunkirk, which I read today. And, and I think you posed a question about how people are saying he's finally delivered. Yeah. No, like I he's been delivering for years. Fully formed with Memento. As is, and I think it's what, a, the fundamental... Well, this though. is sort of what I was thinking about when I, when I, when I asked that question. Because I was sort of taken aback by the surprise... Pa- I, lo- I love this movie, to be absolutely clear. At the moment, it's probably in contention to be in my top five for the year. Um, but what sort of took me aback about the response to it is the sense that everyone was talking about it. When I say everyone, I mean like publications like, say, The Guardian or The yeah. Rolling Stone. Like, these are not like Telegraph fringe people. As well, yeah, yeah, Telegraph. People who are not people who are on, on blogs or on yeah. Twitter. You know, the, the reaction that you get like that where it's hyperbole. Although, obviously, it is hyperbole in, in, no, the, in, official, the, in the official like, kind of... In uh, the official respect. In, in, the, in the broadsheets. In the, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the, the argument that they were making was that, you know, Dunkirk was the movie where he finally delivered. Well, first of all, The Guardian made the argument that this is the point where he becomes, like, where you can make a Kubrick comparison. The Guardian, though, I think will, the Guardian will take a story in the news and write five differing opinion stories about the whole thing yeah. and cre- contradict its own thing. Yeah, so in I, order. I generally don't take those seriously to some degree, but I take their but, point. But, I mean, I'm wondering, is part of the response to Dunkirk down to a sort of a snobbishness like the fact that like no one since memento or even with memento you could argue because memento is like a film noir with a clever twist in it mm. like no one traditionally has worked in genre filmmaking so the prestige is a science fiction film the batman films are superhero films inception is a science fiction film so now you may argue yeah uh, interstellar yeah, they're, well. they're like you say they're they're, they're all very much defined by their well, I don't like, even think they're defined, but they're like, trapped within them. They're trapped within them. Like, he puts his own twist on them, but they are identifiably of certain genres. Yeah. And I think Dunkirk is a war is a, film. Right? Is a yeah. war film. But, but I think a war film. first official Oscar film. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's really exactly it. Because, I mean, you have it's stories... It's now worthy of ten nominations. Which is such a weird... But Inception is his only film to be nominated for the Best Picture Oscar. And the argument is that, like, this is the film that the Samuel Goldmeyer Goldmeyer Theatre in the... in Obviously, the Academy screening... Like they had to organize a second screening because the academy members were queuing around the block. I mean, that's exactly what it's for. Like, 
is part of the response to Dunkirk basically like Christopher Nolan made a film that is not recognizably a genre film that he's, is a yeah, war film he's that is more one, acceptable and tasteful he's, he's made one for the establishment that's an exactly as, as really oh, what that's what I'm wondering like, he's become the, he's now in the, the shake hands with Steven Spielberg yeah but yeah. Is, that is you mean Grouping, uh, you either die a hero or you live long enough <laughs> to become Steven Spielberg. It's, it's, so it's his Schindler's List. Something I, like that. Yeah, yeah. I want to know that. Like, but yeah. but it's certainly. It, it, his it, departed, maybe. Oh, Jesus, no, don't say that. It's crazy, though, the, the uh, prestige that people hold with the Oscars when you consider some of the choices that they make. Yeah. Well, Shakespeare in Love over or, Saving Private Ryan and the yeah, Thin Red but, Line. But, and, yeah. uh, and, like, it, it's. It just seems seems such a uh, a strange kind of a, a, a mark to to, to, to say it, oh um, he's finally made it. It's like he's making it for a long time. Yeah. And, and it, feeds, it feeds into this machine. All film reviewers at major newspapers are part have to of have that. Tapes, I mean, they're part so, yeah. of that. Yeah, everybody's part. Everybody runs the whole thing. Everybody yeah. gets paid. Everybody, you know. Yeah, you, you turn the main, the main area yeah. you get paid. Yeah. But and I mean, to be honest, like one of the things I'm thankful of about a Christopher Nolan film is that you, while you're now seeing lists of people ranking the top ten Christopher Nolan films. Um, you're, seeing, ten. you're seeing less of the, you know, like when when Spider Man's released, you get all these articles about. Oh, did you spot all the Easter eggs when War of the Planet of the Apes? Is, oh, what about his jacket? That's how it yeah, yeah. How does this minor character set up a sequel? I quite like that content. This is yeah. what we're talking about here. Yeah. Hashtag content. I beg your pardon. Uh, says Philip to be clear, we love content. <laughs> we, we are all about content. A couple of tent slingers. Um, um, look out for our listicles. Yeah, but like content and hot take for me, they belong in kind of the same lexicon as say you know Laban's round and Agent Orange the kind of terms I never want to hear again <laughs> well, uh, well uh, Phil is getting that off his chest uh, yeah but anyway back but to I, Dunkirk like, that's the thing about Dunkirk right because I know with Phil's case for example right just to this was the first film Phil saw in the cinema in five months I believe yes it is um, this, now this is more of a, a, a personal kind of thing but ac- actually okay so like I said, this is kind of a personal thing, but I haven't been to the cinema in five months prior to our 70mm screening of Dunkirk the other day, which was a great way to break a fast. I was trying, if I was trying to explain why I did that, it was actually one review that uh, one of you here helpfully uh, passed along to me, which was, um, what's his face? Peter Hitchens, um, who is a... <laughs> you did. It was, just it. it was enough. Frankly, it's it's, uh, <laughs> uh, what I like to say is like a prodding Luciferian sort of manipulator. <laughs> Basically, uh, what he said was that anybody who thinks in any possible way that Dunkirk is a good film is a no. I'm paraphrasing here is a, is an idiot and um, intellectually deficient. But, there you but go. Worse again. It was exactly that's that Roger Ebert, Michael yeah, Bay. But the thing is, this yeah. is cut. right. The reason that I had to wait until Dunkirk to go see so, to go to the cinema again is because. As a former film writer, and I may be again one day. We hope. We live in hope. Bless you. There is this trend in film criticism now, I feel. Right? I mean, there's all kinds of thoughts on how more totally aware it is and all that. And that's fine. But alongside that, there has come this kind of arrogance where if you, you're almost made to feel like if you, are, if you feel about a certain way about a film, whether you like it or you don't like it, if you think a certain way about it, that you are somehow perhaps morally or intellectually uh, deficient. And um, a film like Dunkirk, which has, which comes with a director who has this certain f- 
following and a certain popularity, people are going to be aiming to take that down. And a certain reaction again. It's like no one is yeah. a fascinating director only because he's so big that he has the Nolanistas, yes. as they're known, which makes them sound like they wear bandanas. You may call me one. Or, or serve coffee somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and possibly both. Yeah. While wearing bandanas. But he also has this sort of visceral sort of. I think there, there's a sense online of needing to be taken down a peg. There's a sense when you because read a people build them up so much. That yeah, people, you have to people react do against. absurdly build them up though. They and do. It, there's a certain section of Nolan fans that. Jay says looking at the Church of Scientology. Yeah, exactly. I'm still fixated on this Nolan cafe. Where it's like, Hold on, I'll, I'll make a coffee. Wow. <laughs> 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 I would never go for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Where the waiter, none of the waiters can remember well, your orders. <laughs> but what's feeding into this prestige picture nonsense uh, is the fact that he did it on 17 mil, that it's going back to old fashioned, yeah. old school cinema, that he has this thing about, oh, I would never work for Netflix and all the rest. So it's. But the thing he about does it play is, into it a bit. when yeah, he exactly. does that, when he does that, especially when it comes to the 70 mil stuff. He is coming at that from a point of view that he genuinely believes that 70mm is a more immersive and better cinema-going experience. And when you watch a 70mm film, depending on the quality of the film, and I mean that in terms of, you know, how good it actually is as opposed to how well it's shot. Hello, Hateful Eight. Don't start, Darren. (laughs) Best Um, movie of last year. (laughs) Anyway, Depending on the film, it absolutely proves Nolan's points. Like, yeah, Hateful Eight wasn't shot in 70 mil. It was. It was shot in Cinemascope. With, with, the diff- with what, a bunch of people in a room. What yeah. size is Cinemascope? 65 mil it's, with 235-1 projection. It's, yeah, the, the ratio ah, is different. It, well, it's not, f- it's not it's, far it's off. It's similar. Yeah. No, yeah. it's got yeah. the similar yeah. sense of width, exactly. which is remarkable for a bunch of people talking in a room. I'd like to say but that. that the can I mention yeah. that the one of the interesting aspects of it, and I was thinking about this last night after watching Dunkirk, and I think it's a fascinating aspect of it, and it's uh, it's kind of twofold in the context of what Noel said about how Nolan kind of talks about this kind of stuff. I think first of all, it's a it's a magnificent calling card for how wonderful film is and practical effects and things that are on screen that are actually, actually on screen. Minimal CGI. Like, minimal CGI. Like, like, I'm not saying no, 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 how much to burn a, a legitimate uh, German fighter. Oh, it was like five, five million. million. Five something million not. to make a fighter burn. Something like that makes it, like, what, what I'm fascinated by that is, and what the IFI have done, which is fascinating as well, is that sellout screening after sellout screening, to, it's almost like a proof of concept that this thing can actually financially work like this is like somebody can shoot something because I don't think it worked quite work for the master you know I think Paul Thomas the master's a bit more niche no it is yeah. no it definitely is it, it would take someone like it Nolan does and I think that's do. the actual point I think well you have uh, Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson like, pushing the same those two Nolan, the they're the most they, Nolan has the fans that can kind of get that over the line for the, want of a better the word thing, the thing about Nolan though and Anderson and uh, Tarantino Tarantino and um Scorsese is it's well for them well it's not well for Scorsese Scorsese's I, next film is going to Netflix that's true well, but the, the, the thing is like it, it I, I I can only imagine they're aware of how of how pompous it must seem to say like oh Netflix is ruining movies when when up and coming directors, directors don't may have find that it's the only like, 
Duncan fair, Jones, for example, um, yeah. has to go to Netflix. To be it. fair, though, Nolan isn't necessarily saying that Netflix is ruining movies. It's, it's just that, that he would the never make going experience. Yeah, and he yeah. would never because make ultimately it. you are comparing the broad vista of something <coughs> like a cinema screen or IMAX. Uh, to uh, watching, or... watching it on your phone. But, but, but I will say, in fairness, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I think whilst Nolan is saying that, I don't think Netflix ruins the cinema going experience. It's cinema going has ruined the cinema going yes. experience. Yes, it's true. This and is it's true. like people, people can their sit phones, at home with a, a 15 chat. screen and watch a movie in surround sound on Blu-ray that's in your own house. Yeah. That for a lot of people is a lot better than paying 12 quid yeah. in to see something in a cinema that may be badly projected. If if it all yeah. done properly, yeah. Uh, people 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 yeah. Think breakdowns on DCP and they can't get restarted because there's no there. Having to sit through advertisements kind of, for all teasers. Yeah, for 20 minutes of happening. These are concerns that yeah, are at cinema store. And the reason people flock to Netflix is because Netflix what? is offering an alternative to that. What They're mean? saying, come here, I'll watch it for this. This is, this is democratizing. Even more, basic, even more basic than that, I'd argue, though, like people who don't have access to a 70 yeah. mil screen. Yeah. People who yeah. It's a wonderful cinema. thing. Like my parents. Like yeah. my parents would never have seen The Young Offenders, for example, but for Netflix. Yes, exactly. And, um, and I think that's, I think, that's, I think it's a good thing. And yeah, I, yeah, but I think breaking. you can have both things exist. I think you oh, could say you that. Oh, yeah, you should as well. Like, I think you could say that Netflix is a fantastic thing and that it's not something we demonize. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is as well. I think like yeah. films like Ocha, it's great to see, for example. That wouldn't but, be made by studio. Yeah, it just no, simply wouldn't, wouldn't be made. Yeah. No, they and, took Netflix to go. For but it's yeah. not It's not an or situation. You can also have Doug Kirk and 70 mil. Yeah, that's the problem with somebody going after Netflix. It's It's... It's an easy target. There, it's yeah, an easy and, target, and there's lots of room. Yeah, for, yeah. For, there is, but yeah, again, there'll always, I think, be a place. I, part of me always also suspects Nolan is a much cannier salesman than people give him credit for. He has a reputation as an auteur, as like a respectable. He's no, the guy who wears, guy who wears, wears a brand. waistcoat. Yeah, and waistcoat yeah. and carries a little yeah. light monitor around him. Yeah. But he's a very canny salesman. Like the story about how he pitched Dunkirk. Which is like, according to him, yeah, according to him, he walked, is it not, I thought it was according to him, he walked into a room and said, look, I want to make virtual reality without a headset. As Niall pointed out, that's not how he did it. He walked in and said, I want to make a movie called Dunkirk. And Warner's <laughs> were like, yep, where do we start? <laughs> it's a good story. It's a great yeah, story. it's a great yeah. story, but, but uh, either way, I don't know. It's but I just think the point, I think you had, uh, was it Grace on the show before? Yeah. And we discussed, I discussed with her on, on uh, Twitter about this. And I was like, my formative years in watching film were watching John Ford films on 12 inch, 13 inch TVs when I was a kid, watching Monument Valley on TV, nay size, and it's that's still where I, that's where I films. Yeah. Yeah, like you can watch film anywhere, and I wouldn't, like, you can, mm. the people that watch a film on their phone, surely the thing is like, they're watching film, yeah, and you, that may lead to whatever that may lead to. Yeah, encourage people are shooting them. films on phones. I mean, this is Tangerine, the future. Tangerine, for example. Well, there's, exactly. a, there's a smartphone film festival exactly. in Dublin. I saw that, yeah. 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 No, so you have all these things, but the, the thing about Dunkirk was, that Dunkirk is a multiple, because I've actually got to bring figures in. Oh, just a massive, yeah, go on. Yeah, go on, so, go on. So, so Dunkirk, it was the fifth biggest opening of the year in Ireland, but in the UK, it was the third biggest, UK and Ireland combined, it was the third biggest opening ever for a 2D IMAX film. And that's and, massive. And it's not a sequel. The Dark Knight. Yeah, it's yeah. not a sequel. No. It's not a reboot. It's not a remake. No. Like the only name. It does have history though. Yeah. In the sense, it's not, it's not coming out of thin air. Oh no, and no one is the yeah. brand. But I mean, like its biggest star is Tom Hardy, who spends most of the movie in a mask that's even, mask. even more concealing yeah. than the Bane mask, you know? Yeah. 
And it has the best use of Michael Caine of any yeah, of the Nolan yeah. films. He plays the squadron leader. You can hear him in the yeah. background. Yeah, it's his voice. No, <laughs> yeah. no wonder the no wonder Philip's that the mind is blown. I yeah. didn't know this. No wonder that the you squadron. No wonder the squadron leader crashed into the ocean. He was a 70-year-old man piloting a fighter jet running low on oxygen. Uh, oh, for goodness, I never picked please. up. I have to go see it again. No, no, no. Not fighter jet. Propeller-driven plane. Spit Not fire. jet. This Not is, jet. This is why Niall is on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Details, The, the submarine okay. Spitfire, which, before the war and after the war, the difference in brake horsepower between the start of the war and the end of the war was over 100 brake horsepower. And the only reason that it got... It wasn't that the engineering got better. The engineering was essentially the same. The octane of the fuel got better. I'll be honest, result, much like the jets, faster. This is going right over my head. <laughs> I but <laughs> your favorite track of the of the magnificent score, submarine is be, Super, yes. uh, supermarine is because it's uh, supermarine are the guys who made the Spitfire. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Michael Caine was fighting the Germans because he, he he didn't want a a. Well, he, he only he, plunged into the sea he because didn't he didn't want, want to be put into a soccer team against them again with Slicer yeah. or Pele. He didn't and want Europe world. to be united under, <laughs> you know, under or, anything. Or, or under any other You were only yeah. meant, meant to blow the bloody Bombay doors off. Hey. Hey. Let's talk about this, actually, because this is one of the things about Dunkirk that I, I find quite interesting. Because Phil alluded to this earlier in terms of how we talk about films now and how, how film discussion become politicised. I think that's not a bad thing. I think it's very worthy to have those discussions. I'll say politicised uh, with a small p. You know, it's not about you know taking particular. It's just one. It's black v white, one side v the other. That's very much so in Dunkirk. It's well, it's white v white. <laughs> yeah, but one of the it's things, a interesting choice of words. Phil is not trying to start a race war on the podcast. <laughs> Or it's I, 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 like, I, like I, I like how you had to pause before answering this. <laughs> right, I'll leave it to the next podcast to start the race war. There was a thing where. I you, need a week to decide which races I want to war against. <laughs> no, there was this thing where USA Today were obviously trolling and they, this, yeah. they put in a thing into the, yeah, their review that said. Uh, of course, it depends on how you feel about the fact that there are no people of color or women in the film. And it's like, yes, well, it's a World War. It is a World War II. So, <laughs> this is one of the things that, like, and I think Refinery, whatever, did a, one a, a similar sort of content generating website counted the number of words spoken by women on screen. Dunkirk, and it's forty-seven. One of the things I like about Dunkirk, though, is that it seems to exist beyond that level of politicization because you have people trying to construct narratives around, like, is it a metaphor for Brexit? No. No, no it is not a metaphor for Brexit. It before But Brexit. it's an article. <laughs> yeah. Once but it's an article, once you can spin a thousand words out and bang it out in the afternoon, then that's all that matters, regardless of how much you have to crowbar. There is, it, it, it did lead to a great sort of political satire cartoon piece on the front of Private Eye where it's, hey. where it's basically the... The, the mole and all the soldiers on it was with a little caption leaving uh, leaving Europe is harder than we thought <laughs> <laughs> but, but man it's not but it is but I like the, I like the fact that Dun that sort of Dunkirk exists as almost like an object that refutes that criticism also, it, even the things against it have been half-hearted like it was like yeah then it's like alright fine it can't actually stand above all that no. <laughs> nobody actually cares we're not getting any traction with this just I'd, give it up I'd like to think nobody cares but, they don't you know, really I don't think I don't think it's become anything are we tiring of this kind of thing this is what I, I, I don't think so. Like I, I think that it's going to be part of the future of, of this podcast. <laughs> I also think like it depends on what you're talking about. I mean, if we're if we're sitting here another week and you're talking about a film from 1975, yeah. that's a different conversation than a film 
Yes, I, I, think that, I, think that, here, I think that, you know, yeah, there were some objections to our discussions around Annie Hall, I think, for example, where, yeah. where we maybe talked about things in context of I mean, the there modern... Well, there are issues with Woody Allen films. The issues are more with Woody Allen than the films, though. Yeah. And Annie Hall, you know, was it, made before anything in his yeah. private life became complex, so, you right. know, it's... But I'm, but I'm just saying, like, I think new films, I think conversations about how I think the those producers and cast and agents actually cast films and I have an awareness that there's more than one colour in the world is a, a, a good, good thing. thing. It's a really I, good thing. I think that having that conversation is good. Because like, it, it brings more variety to it in acting terms, in casting uh, terms. Well, in terms of perspective. Yeah, 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 I think so. Seeing it works really well in, uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming. You have you have a massively yeah. ethnic cast. And Except for Spider-Man himself. Except for Spider-Man himself. But it's... Ha- but Say you you're stuck with Peter Parker as, as yeah, and yeah. which you as were, yes. Are, yeah. The same reason we were stuck with a white Green Lantern rather than obviously going John, to John Stewart, who was the better Green Lantern, just because but, he was on the show we watched uh, when we were kids. But <laughs> over yeah, my head, but no, <laughs> the sound of Spitfire provided by Andrew Quinn. <laughs> but the thing about Nolan is he has past history of dealing with socio political teams in his films. So trying to read a Brexit analogy into yeah. this is not. Because the last one was about capitalism and they want, you know, or the Dark Knight Rises yeah. about capitalism and the Dark yeah. Knight. It was about Trumpism, yeah, ironically, ahead yeah. of time. And it was set in 2016. How Make perfect Gotham is that? Gotham great again. This well, is the lesson here. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's about a populace with a speech impediment. It's. it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, interesting here. Like, can, we, can we talk about the, the elephant in the room, Don Corkwise, in some ways? Because I'm kind of curious what this is. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> lack of Germans. Yeah. 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 Very, very, talk about that. Very loud this, but this, difficult to hear. My, yeah. my, one of the issues I had with, um, I, I, I used to suppose I think I have it. At this point, <laughs> no, I'm right, okay. You're right. Uh, this is something hear. I have to get more time to. But well, let's I, talk I, about have, I have issues with how the story is structured. Oh, oh the yeah, this is one of the key points for, yeah, for right. a lot of people. And, and, and it is for me. And, 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 and me too, I have to say. I don't, I don't particularly like it as an idea. I think it's something you can... This relatively... is the Christopher Nolan trademark that yeah, we're yeah, and which, along with deceased which, wives. But it, but it and... doesn't need it. I, was like, I, I find it absurd. Can I just say... Uh, he always Hold on, Jay has prepared a statement. What I did say, I went on to Letterboxd and I went to my friends on Letterboxd that have seen it. Just and there's usually a handful of people that I check to see what they say about something because they're generally have a good sense of what they're talking about. And Michael Ewans, who you know, I think oh he yes, indeed, yeah. good he said something interesting. He said, he said, why should he care that Hardy's plane was losing fuel to the point where it's going down when it's been in the air the whole goddamn film? <laughs> Do you know, that, that, that that's an, an interesting point. It is an interesting like, point. There's another point actually. Somebody said that, now, I suppose just... It flies longer <coughs> without fuel than it does with fuel. No, I'm not even getting to that one yet. It's for like 20 minutes. Why did he see like you're there, guys? I get on the... But even bigger than that, somebody made a point that you could do away with the entire triptych structure if you cut out the scene where Killian Murphy appears in the middle of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, you wouldn't because you'd still have to go at night. Like you'd still have to go overnight, so like you'd have to have the boats. Yeah, but out. you would be able then to perhaps put it in some kind of chronological also, order. Michael Young's also made a point, and I think he's correct in this as well, although I, I wouldn't be as unsure of footing. But the week felt like about two days. It did. The perhaps week, three days if you're being generous. about three days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, that's fine. But if you can jump nights. around that much, what the hell is the well, point of having a week? It's, well, it's, it's clean, three days. I think I it's cleaner to have the week 
the for the day audience. And the hour. Yeah, of course yeah, it, it is. And but then you're forcing the structure into something but that doesn't really make any sense. I kind me. of like that. I do. Um, I don't. That, that, <laughs> that eccentric kind of um, uh, impulse of of Nolan to make something <laughs> that's relatively like simple, fractal, and crystalline, but and um, but and, and and still kind of give the audience like the, the credit to, to, fi- uh, in, to figure it out. I, that's something I think I might have to disagree with. Okay, the first time I watched, my missus missed it completely. She didn't realize what the hell was going on. on the, yeah, I, 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 the first time I watched it, I, I had to admit, I had to, I was, I got confused. It was only when they actually dovetailed towards the end that I realized. Okay, yeah. that's but you mean you didn't place with like the where the squadron flew over the boat, for example? Uh, or, no, it, it took oh, a while to click for me. Oh, I have to say, it wasn't immediately clear to me. I mean, I saw we had the subtitles at the start, you know, yeah. the mole one week, the you know, whatever, but the the it, sea one day, the, the air one hour, yes, land, sea, and air. Yeah, yeah, which one if by land, one one, one day like if by sea. That's uh, a very Nolan stamp. It is, and, and it I is. feel like if if that's one of your issues with with the movie, then. Um, it's not an issue. Think, it's just, but it is an issue for me. It's but an issue. It's just then is that not an issue you have with all Nolan? No, no. no, 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 no Memento Memento serves the story. Inception yeah. serves the story. Yeah. This yeah. Does, begins for me, this doesn't serve the story. Dark Knight Rises. It does not serve the story. This feels Dark Rises only really has flashbacks more than a nonlinear structure. I mean. The time makes no sense at all in the Dark Knight. Right? Yes, that's Batman. That, he can get around the world in a different issue. Different issue. But I take your point, Lyle, because I've also had that argument. <laughs> but I, but I think it's a different thing. I think, I think Inter and Kirk. Do you know what it reminded me of? Actually, this is going to sound a little weird, but in some ways, it reminded me of Arrival. Um, oh. In the sense that there's a lot of razzle dazzle going on to distract you from the fact that it's a very simple story. But that's what Villeneuve does anyway. No, every, no, he does. He every, does. But that more so reminded me a little Far bit more than that. that. Well, uh, to, uh, that's that's what I, I, I think. I got through the cross cutting. It's absolutely fine. I cut the cross cutting. That was a very key. What the hell is wrong with that? That's a very good comparison. I mean, when I saw Arrival, I said, "This is a Christopher Nolan wannabe with its time yeah. structure." It, but it, it's absolutely like the thing about Arrival is it has this fragmented structure, and as soon as it got to the end, I just thought. No, yeah. I have seen this before, Me too. and I've what? seen it done a lot better. And it completely undermined all the emotions yeah. you were trying to build up at this point. It's also nothing but the structures. It was one of my issues with with the rival was that the structure existed for itself it, without being clever. Exactly, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't as clever. clever as it wanted to be. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And, but and, once and you know it, and you pull the thread at the end, the whole thing unravels. Yeah, and then there's nothing behind it really. I'll, I'll, I'm going to stand up for the the nonlinear storytelling here because I actually really really like the nonlinear. In Dunkirk, in not not in Arrival. In Arrival, it was it was yeah it was distraction it was a very much a paper sort of uh, okay go for it I'll I just mean, say that my know. issue with the narrative is on Kirk I, I still have to quite, kind of try and process what necessarily serving as I suppose it is just trying to bring all three stories together as disparate as they are separated by well, time it's whatever. three lives intersecting for two minutes yes. and like everything but, that they go but, and then they but, disconnect and but, right, you can just make a film and do that and edit <laughs> as what editing is I mean I mean it's just it's just a no, bit confusing but he's no idiot and he knows what he's doing like I mean I'm, he's very clear on what, what he's yeah. about with this but I'm looking at it going I don't need this I don't know why I'm watching this why are we cutting away from this oh yeah because this is an hour so this, the plane has to go on forever because we have to tell the whole story of a week and a day and it's nonsensical one, one of the things I liked about the movie was the sense of like it felt abstract in places like so Dunkirk is obviously a real event that existed that really happened sure. and everybody has a history of it but one right. of the things I liked about Dunkirk was the sense that it felt like it existed almost 
at a remove. It was like a scale model of like war. Like the idea that Dunkirk itself loomed on the horizon for most of the film, like a smoldering wreck, for example. Like there's this recurring theme where characters can't see, where they literally do not have the distance or perspective. So for example, Tom Hardy misses the, the pilot plane going to the ocean. Barry Keoghan, when he's dying, his, his last words are like, I, I, can't, I can't see. see. Um, the all... blind man at the end who yeah. grows, his, continue... well, grows but, that's inappropriate, but, but who touches lightly the... Uh... But that's also because Pandas. of what they can see. Because, because they can see the they horrors of war coming. No, and no, no, no. Well, more, more literally than that, they can see home. Or the, well, no, they just can't about, see home. No, they no, can't. That's the entire point. They, they can almost see practically. It's twenty-six miles away, so it's all—it is just yeah. there over you the horizon. So you know it's, it's there, but you yeah. can't see it, that's which the, is yeah. the entire point it's, of the film. And that's the thing with the—I would argue—with the the nonlinear structure is the idea that you have these lives that are going to intersect with one another, and they do overlap very, very briefly at the end with the oil fire in the ocean, and then they all go their separate ways. So one of the interesting things at the end, even those plots begin moving at different paces. So, for example, like Harry Styles. And, and Fionn Whitehead managed to get home, get on a train, and get a paper by the time that Tom Hardy is still getting like arrested by the Germans. But I, I like this idea. I checked out for them pretty much. No, but the, see, the, t- the time contraction of yeah. Tom Hardy's story yeah, is, is literally is an hour. It is, yeah. So it is the spring. It is brought in and yeah. then expands back yeah, out again. That's exactly, yeah. Which I think is very clever structurally, but I think it captures this. Absolute nonsense. And ruins it. Like, it's impossible. To make sense of the scale of this thing, and one of the things like Nolan talked about this when he talked about the mole, which is you know the structure which the soldiers would line up, they'd wait to get in a boat, and they'd wait to be bombed from the air. He described this like Kafka esque, and there is that sort of sense of this, like the Germans, for example, How? like repeat the Germans only appear on screen once over Tom Hardy's shoulder, blurred. They're referred to repeatedly throughout the film, the not as the Germans, but as the enemy in the title role. But like it I... feels like Dunkirk operates at a remove. It's not a like, despite the fact it's based on a real event, it never felt like a literal translation to I, me. Like, Bolton, the character played by Kenneth Branagh, is not a real person, despite the fact no, that... No, but he's, he's a symbol. He's I, a symbol, that's yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was very interesting, that, because there, there, for, for me, a lot of the movie was about isolation in the context of supposed kind of camaraderie. Because it feels, at least for the first two-thirds of the movie, up until the very climax, that these are people alone, surrounded by hundreds of thousands of their 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 comrades and even the enemy isn't there yeah like there's there's a a great twist where it turns out that tommy the lead character makes friends with gibson um and there's a big twist at the end where it turns out gibson is actually a french guy who stole the uniform british soldier but they've been together for days at this point and they've not said enough words together that tommy can figure out that gibson is french but also back to that the reason that there there is a there's a a literal distance between the between Fionn Whitehead and you know between Tommy and Gibson and the rest. And he does try to team up with people, and he's told that like it's infantry only or horsemen. Grenadiers, mate. Grenadiers, yeah. mate. And then he he finds Scots, and he's so yeah. it's the the nature of British militarism, and particularly in the First World War, but there was a large extent to the Second World War was that you had the Royal Highlanders or the Royal yeah. Irish Fusiliers or the Cornish or the, the Hertfordshire, Hertfordshire and Bucks. And so the, the, you had these unit corps who were from the one area. And if you were coming in as an outsider, you weren't welcome. And it's very alienating. And, and it, it kind of compounds the, the trauma and tension of this movie. And, and also, even, even when left to yourself, you're not really yourself because um, everyone is in the same 
Everyone's unknowable. Everyone's unknowable. Yeah, and they all they're all and wearing these uni- uniforms throughout the movie. Well, the lead character is called Tommy, to which really is a nickname tell. for a yeah. British soldier. Like it's it's he's the most generic. It's like GI Joe. Yeah. If he like for an American film, he'd be called Joe. For a lot of movie, they're not they're they're not speaking. For a lot of the movie, like even I, when they are speaking, I you could, can't hear them over the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Are 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 they're wearing helmets or they're covered in oil and they're essentially anonymous and faceless. Yeah. And like one of the big reveals at the end is that the guy hanging on to the edge of the boat uh, covered in oil is actually Fionn Whitehead. And because of the way that it's structured, because of the way that the non-linear stuff that happens, you see him escaping as, and there, there's the sound of Jay sighing, but yeah. you, you, you see him hanging onto the side of the boat covered in grease, not really knowing it's Fionn Whitehead as you see him escaping. And then the, as the fire burns and as the water washes off his face, you see actually, yes, it turns out this guy who's now on Mark Rylance's boat is Tommy. It's the character we've been following in theory. Mm. And I, I really, really like that. I, and also, Killian Murphy's <laughs> Shivering Soldier is the literal unknown soldier in that he has no name. He so vanishes, yeah. yeah. He, he vanishes at the end as if he were an apparition. Um, it, it, I really, really like that. Aspect. Can we make that point as well, actually, in the boat where the, the French guy is revealed? That seems morally and wherever the exact same scene as the Dark Knight with the two boats, right? Well, Nolan likes his boats in his re- water. But no, it might take the boat out. It was the, the kind of, you know, well, no, how do you weigh this against but weigh it this? Is, and then it is the central, like, but it is like but down to the boat in the water. Isn't that clunky as hell to anybody else but me, no? No. I, no? I, I, I never I made really, that comparison. I, I did. Say. It was I, 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 I made that comparison, but I, I took it as a stylistic kind of quirk of his. Yeah. And I, I liked I liked that idea. Like, for all that Dunkirk is populated by characters who do horrible things, like for example Harry Styles' character, I like that we're just calling him Harry Styles. But well, who else would have called him? I liked him. He was. He won the better young cast. But he's perfectly willing to kill Gibson or throw him overboard in order to preserve weight. But like, and, and even the the shivering soldier is responsible for the death of Barry Keoghan's character. Is it George? George. George. George yeah. yeah. Um, but the fact that the movie like the movie captures the sense of people doing horrible things in war, but it forgives almost all of them like harry styles's character at the end grabs gibson and tells him to come on even though gibson drowns yeah. um you know the, the shivering soldier seems to be forgiven by by mark rylance for what he's done well, it's even PTSD. So yeah, well, that's, all, yeah. he and says he's not yeah, himself like yeah. when, when but they're when all his... reduced to to monsters and and they come back feeling like what, well, like what they've become it, it, it's basically and saying that ideas of heroism and cowardice what? are never as easy to pin down well, this as you is what I, I love about it as a war movie it's a war movie about cowardice but it doesn't paint co- it doesn't condemn cowardice it treats cowardice as a logical and it reaction elevate and, yeah, heroism, but it's either. not it's not cowardice surely I, I no no I, I wouldn't argue and that. The, but, but, the, but the film does survival oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's that means they actually Neatly, quite you know, they sum up the point at the end when the soldiers actually get back to England. Yeah. All we did was survive. That's yeah. enough. That's enough. And 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 the way it treats the kind of utilitarianism of it as well, without where with 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 without really judging it, because as you're watching it, you're 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 thinking like they're they're taking away the stretchers and they're saying that like. Um, for one stretcher, we could have seven standing men. Or even where Kenneth Branagh urges them to push the sinking boat away from the mole, yeah. knowing that the wounded men are going to drown. Yeah. It's, it's, it's horrifically practical, but yeah, unfortunately, but it's you, you don't come away pra- from it thinking that, um, like, feeling superior or anything. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, and you don't necessarily hate him for the decision either, no. because in the context, you know, the decisions make a grim sort well, of this is, this is the thing. Like, I think this is one of the things that we sort of maybe talked about on, online a bit, but... 
Like, Nolan has a reputation as a bit of a cold filmmaker, which I think is where the reputation, the comparisons to Kubrick come from. I think he's quite humanist. I think yeah. Nolan is a phenomenal, is a director who has a lot of faith in people. And I think there's a balance as well. Well, I mean, it's not an emotional bit, filmmaker. I think I, that's the difference. I, I think that might be the difference there. I would have agreed with you once... Okay, yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, in this movie, for example, characters look to the sky for deliverance. Well, that deliverance doesn't come from God. It comes from their fellow man. It comes from Tom Hardy deciding not to go home. And just as equally, and their deaths could come from the sky as well. So yeah. I suppose it's a blind hold. I think it? there, yeah, I think there's a balance in his moral outlook where, where, I, where I spoke kind of just a second ago about utilitarianism. There's also the decision that Tom Hardy makes um, unwisely to, to <laughs> yeah, for to, him. yeah but i mean perhaps for the war effort because they're they're they need they're, fire the reason they they're pilots. going back is because they know the next battle is for britain yeah um but he he has a a a higher kind of principle that takes hold rather than just thinking purely consequentially yeah, well, I mean, the same thing with Kenneth Branagh's Bolton. He decides exactly, to stay yeah. for the French. So there is a kind of a balance. That clunky way that he does at the end. You mean the, the, this film cannot be read as a Brexit metaphor line, basically, yeah. is, is what that exists. Yeah. If you're talking about clunkiness at the end, I would go for the Churchill speech being... I, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I had issues with the end yeah. the last five, ten minutes anyway. But, and in, like, in various different points. It's it's what a about, call, what it's a, a call to come and help us, America. You know, it's it's an unnecessary coda. I liked, I really liked that scene because it felt, I and again, it played into this this sense of like Nolan's exploration, like cowardice as a not cowardice, but as, as retreat. We barely but, mentioned it. Like it's, 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 Church, it's, it's Churchill's speech, which is the most iconic moment of the Second World War. We will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them on the landing. It's the rallying cry. It's like the greatest speech but, possibly that's been made by parliamentarians. But, the film but he, has nothing to do with but like he the, puts it in the mouth of like Fionn Whitehead, who's a shivering, tired, scared kid who knows that he's the one who's going to have to go back to Britain back to Europe after this he's the one who's going to be asked to defend Britain he's the and one who's going to have to go back and put his life in yeah, line exactly. and he, I'm and like fine the, with the rallying cry in and of itself but of the penultimate but no no but like I think that there's a sense like the, the shot the penultimate shot right is the burning fighter plane as the camera pans in on it and then it cuts back to Fionn, Head, uh, Fionn Whitehead's face and I think there's a sense that Nolan is in some ways cynical about this like it's a yeah, rejection yeah it's a rejection of the rah-rah nationalism that you associate with that Churchill speech because it's like... It's all got to come to... It all comes back are, on the kids. These kids are... like these 18, 19, 20-year-olds. It's what Mark Ryland says, ah. Mark Ryland's character says, which is like, we start... Our generation started we, this war. We dictated why, this, yeah, this war. Why, why, should we, why shouldn't we send our children? Yeah, why, and I, I think... Why shouldn't we send our children? <laughs> but I think the film makes Second. that point quite well. I like the ending because it does that. I don't know. I don't know if, 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 um, if there is enough grounds to i mean that's a reading of it but i i don't know if 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 there's enough in it to i don't know if the film gets there yeah yeah did, did, i don't did, think so either but you have to be very generous with it while i while i disagree with top uh, five of the year while 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 i while i disagree with darren that it's a that it's a cynical um i i like it because that it's the final part of this movie is uh, scored with a, a variation on Elgar. Yeah. And is, yeah. I'm not English. I'm not British. But I I love the music of it, Elgar. It's a and, rousing and, piece of music. Yeah. Variations. And, That's the point. It's, and also I um, in in certain ways love the the English language. I love the British people. 
Um, uh, I've lived in. Are, are we making up for our Braveheart podcast here? <laughs> but I found it very stirring in in and in a way that wasn't that was just about not too much. I mean, yeah, there's been discussions of the patriotism of the film being a more relaxed, more sort of like, yeah, it's not the rah-rah patriotism of, say, Hacksaw Ridge. Ridge no, to it's more wrong. about, again, I think it, yeah. it feeds into the American that more sniper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last 15 minutes of the credits are rallying to vote for Trump. <laughs> no fake babies here. No. Um, but uh, yeah, in Dunkirk, the patriotism, it's more to do with it's more abroad, you know, you don't see anybody flying Union Jacks. Like, when the soldiers get home, they're just, the people who are there, they're not cheering them up. They're just glad they're back. They're giving them it's, beer. They're giving it's, them beer, saying, well done, lads, you've yeah, you survived. survived. And it's a celebration of the spirit of, of Britain during the war. Yeah. Versus we as Irish people who, who don't have very, um, per, perhaps, are as... Proud a history during the World War. The Pearl Cream Boys is a fantastic <laughs> film that documents I, a tough time. I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't. The war didn't exist. It was the emergency. Ah, it was yes. the emergency. <laughs> and and the emergency. The, yeah, we we just saw the I, apostrophe I, emergency. I, I, I mean, in when, which a whole nation just set, went over and said, "We'll just watch." We don't think you can. All, <coughs> I well, I, you can overstate, but I don't think this movie overstates the importance of that stand against Hitler. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that day. might seem like a pretty facile thing to say. <laughs> yeah, no, it does, because at the end of the day, Britain saved Europe's ass. Um, yeah. exactly. Well, it held out, yeah. and, and then arguably America yeah, so it, and it, Russia, it, kind of. Yeah. Um, With a bit of help that was, from the sides. <laughs> yeah. Britain, Britain, Britain held, the, held would, the line, and then the Americans came. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wouldn't have been possible exactly. without the other. As I mean, like uh, Ed Kennedy famously argued that yeah, that Britain was going to roll over and that you'd be dealing with the Germany-occupied Europe, basically. Oh, like exactly. Britain was never going to roll over. I, I know, I know. But that, that was an American misreading <laughs> but of the again, situation. That's the point of that speech. We will never surrender. We yeah. will fight. Well, that's... Yeah, uh, until the very last line when he goes, and with and when the new world with all its power and glory comes to the say to rescue the old, and so he's ba- that. You that's know, that's America. Join us. That's, yeah. yeah, come on, lads. <laughs> <laughs> it's great <laughs> over here. To the beaches and everything. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, the, the, the likeness of Dover are mostly yeah. to ask for it when they tactfully. when yeah. they get up off of their hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's the point in which Ch- Churchill reached Help into uh, reached into his pocket and took out like the stars and stripes. It was, uh... <laughs> but one of the things that when we go back to the the, the triptych and the structure and the thing, it's 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 three dimensional chess is what he's playing at that particular moment in time because uh, Killian Murphy just described Christopher Nolan as a grandmaster, so a chess grandmaster, in that he can he sees multiple moves ahead, and so when they were filming, he would he would leave their boat to go off to one of the battle cruisers to film a scene there and film and have the planes fly over at the right moment because you're filming with seventy mil cameras, so and so you have two minutes of film, so you have to be very precise in the coordination of all of that yeah. stuff, and so he says that Nolan was that kind of director, but that. That so that he's playing three dimensional chess with the trip tech and and anyone who's ever done that that will screw with your head. The three dimensional chess is really difficult. Well, you're uh, talking about actual three dimensional <laughs> chess. Yeah, yeah, it's chess with three chess boards. Oh no, 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 no
Strictly 2D or uh, 2D I or broke. One that you have to Rather, rather than chessboard. breaking in one regular chessboard, it's three stacked on top of one layer. So the pieces can move between layers as well as moving. Oh, no, 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 no. Ironically, it was playing 3D chess with a 1D star. <laughs> hey. It's, uh, uh, I but mean, I mean, like, chess, chess, chess yeah. is already in, infinitely complicated. And, um, Adding a whole extra dimension on top of that. But like, I do like right. that you get those, those moments where you see the, the moments from, from one perspective and then later in the film you see it from another. So you see the bombing of the destroyer, for example, uh, quite early in, in the story with the boats, but then you see it later on with the planes as that comes up to parallel. You, you like, do, but it, again, that's, that was kind of my problem with the triptych structure is that you have to just make sure that you, you clue into that. If you don't, you're going to end up like two thirds of the way through the film going, hang on, what have we been here before? Well, actually, this is and that did happen to me a couple no, of times. I, oh, I t maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know. I can't keep up no, with Nolan. No, no, I don't think you are. But I will say this about Nolan. Any film of his you watch, he does credit his audience with enough intelligence to actually go yeah. along with what he's doing. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll give an example here. Like, Christopher Nolan movies are generally the family Christmas movie. If there is a if there is a Christmas if there's a movie out, it will be the Christmas movie. Well, given that his and films this, get released this time of year, it's perfect. It's if you're perfectly. In the DVD market. That's it exactly. And and. After Christmas, everybody's had dinner. Everybody's a little bit tipsy. Everybody's kind of about to fall asleep. Everybody right? but Darren. Everybody but Darren. So Darren is just then you put on insomnia because no. <laughs> but Darren's just written ten thousand words while we're watching a movie. Uh, but like the movies. Despite the fact they deal with complicated ideas like dreams within a dream within a dream and insomnia, the, the memory Inception. structure, memento, oh, sorry, Inception, apologies. Um, Although you probably the, could have those dreams in insomnia. But the, the structure of like the backward structure memento. Insomnia is not that bad. What are we, <laughs> I like it's insomnia. the runt of the litter. It gets picked on a bit. But like, yeah, I was more going for the fact that you were getting sleepy and so you bought an insomnia. It was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but what I was saying is like these movies are easy to follow like the, for all like this is one of the things about i would argue that the problem with the nolan kubrick comparison that everybody draws out is that like kubrick fantastic kubrick that. makes cerebral films that are genuinely like they're and i don't want to say nolan's done ambitious storytelling wise but like there you have to hack at a kubrick film you no, have to sort he, of try and figure it out he works out a remove from his audience yes nolan Whereas doesn't nolan, nolan doesn't, doesn't. Yeah. nolan's movies are they appear and they I, I no doubt they are structurally complicated to construct they're very elaborately constructed but watching them and enjoying them, they're, I think you blaze through them. I think they don't require that level of, you know, they don't what, require... What they are, and it's, it's, yeah. it's one of these things. So it, it's, it's what happens in fine dining or in gourmet food. You get a classic recipe and then you create the deconstructed version of. And so that is what Nolan films are. They are the deconstructed version of a classic story i'm about to say something that may completely undermine whatever respectability i might have as any kind of go for it good god i think we i think no one could be effectively pitched as that uh, to compare the two filmmakers we compared to already you could find it you could see him as a halfway house between kubrick and michael bay that's in not that he does in that, yeah, he, br that. He, he brings his audience along which kubrick doesn't do but he doesn't placate them either which, which is what bay does constantly no but so yeah so it's a, bringing it back to the food analogy so one of them then is so that in the case of michael bay he is mcdonald's exactly he is far guy diners drive-ins and dives type <laughs> yeah thing cheap fish bang boom at the other end you have uh, kubrick as heston blumenthal <laughs> and then you have you know michael pierre white or whoever as no christopher Nolan is uh, somewhere in the middle somewhere exactly in the middle. Yeah. exactly i mean this is 
He knows his audience can. Like, he knows that the audiences are visually literate. They, you know, they can... Like, he's not all cut, 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 but he's not all long takes either. Yeah. You know, he's, he, he just gives the audience enough. It, it, people always say that one of the, one of the, high, one of the compliments they always, that audiences generally pay no one, they say that, that they feel smarter watching his films. It's not that they feel smarter. It's just that he, that no one allows you enough information that just enough that you can follow along. You don't have to and have everything spelled out. And you can pick it, it to be out. fair. Like, I mean, one of the things about Nolan films is you can generally pick it and it will hold as opposed to a lot of the films that we get today. Yeah, he I gives mean, a lot of thought to his films. This is the, exactly the thing. Whereas Jay is sitting bay, there looking... No, is, I mean, this is, just, this, this is from the point of view of, of getting his movies. There, there's a lot of people... I think you had said yourself that the, the first time you watched this movie was about two-thirds true. I mean... Yeah. There, there are a lot of people who zoned out of, of Interstellar and, yeah. and, and, and at some <laughs> point where, yeah, right. I mean, I really, I really liked Interstellar, but I, I, I can understand why it was something that I liked and why, why, why it was something that other people wouldn't. Why it's yeah, not the me. 32nd best film of all time. Yeah, to <laughs> me, the, the, uh, the structure of Interstellar, it felt to me like Nolan was trying to replicate the success he had in actually tying narrative threads together like he did with Inception and it didn't work near as well. I mean, I loved I, it. I took it as an extended letter on 2001, uh, like basically on 2001 Space Odyssey. Uh, like this is the difference between like Interstellar and is the point at which Nolan is actively courting those Kubrick comparisons. Yeah, but, but, but I think to support them, him, yeah. But not in any bad way. Yes. Some of it is fabulous. Some of it is his finest work. Looking. I, I actually think it's a beautiful film, but I, I, I recently tried to rewatch. Turn it back a few months ago. I tried to rewatch, and I got about 50 minutes in, and I had to turn her off. It's. It's and I remember first Jay, watching that's not it. all right, all right, all right. That was I the best it, part of the film the yeah, first time I watched it. It's overloaded. So I worry. The problem, <laughs> with, yeah, the problem with Interstellar, for me, is that it is overloaded with narrative. It has one key narrative, which is this father-daughter relationship trying to carry across space and time. But there's a lot of other stuff going on as well, which it doesn't need. You know, oh, but we're talking I about know. a different director. If we're saying like, well, um, <laughs> yeah. Inception was just yeah. a movie about some no, some guy uh, so trying to reconnect with his children. No, no, no. I'm. Uh, why not just do that? Me. No, yeah. because in Inception, he like he was able to uh, p- you know pitch that basic uh, problem that DiCaprio's character is having, trying to get home. But you know he's pitching it in the sense of you know he has this skill, he has this talent, and now he has this. Okay, it's an elaborate plan, but if he sees it through, he will get what he wants. In Interstellar, the distances and the time jumps, they're just so big that you're, you become less invested. Like, okay, if, if you're trying to say that in one world you spend an hour on there, it could be years on Earth, right? You're already saying that you've lost time before but we th- even that's got exactly there. how Inception works. Inception has the no, same time dilation. But I think and again, Andrew's correct, though, yeah. because I think... the. Nolan will make the film that Nolan makes, yeah. and it, yeah. it'll be uh, it'll be a Rube Goldberg film. machine. But, but, but <laughs> like, the problem with that is, and this is my problem with Nolan. If I have a problem, I think to compare to you guys, I think with you, it'll be to varying degrees of success and failure that that will work. And there's a point, and I think it's coming, depending on what Nolan's going to want to do, where it, it'll become shtick. 
as this is the northern yeah. thing. And then when Where, it really doesn't work, and there will be a point when it really won't work, and to some degree, well, unless you you it. It. I like the way you it, make it sound like 10 years down the line, we're talking about that disaster where 12 people no, died in no, a... No, 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 no it's, it's something that happens. Or even somebody told you could do that, I think. Or even Tim Burton. Oh, so yeah, that's a fair point. Going, no, going t- with this... Tim Burton's gone to a well that's completely but, but no, I think that's a good <laughs> But he's still going. Because he, he's another uh, director who goes with the same composer for his movies. And, and, and the same look. So, and the same, so he, and the same, same, and the same Batman. The same uh, temporal yeah. ideas. I mean, if you, that's some, like, I mean, it, I, to some degree, I've arrived at that point with that kind of bit where we're jumping mm. time and we're yeah. doing that thing. And I'm... What? I'm annoyed by it now. Okay, can and I'm, and I'm, no, my point is that Andrew's perfectly correct. There's going like this is how it goes. And mm. if you want something else, you shouldn't be going to see Christopher Nolan films if you're expecting to do something. Else, there is, there is another way he can go with this, and and um, it's monkeys with a jetpack. <laughs> bond. <laughs> well, I mean, no, please, no bond. You've already please. had like, like a Christopher Nolan Bond film with Spectre. Spectre was very clearly Sam. Mendes, I would rather right? kill Spectre. Oh, that's the gag of the night right there. Uh, no, Spectre's terrible. But there is another way he can go with this where um, where he's able to maintain that kind of footprint and make something that, I guess, surpasses any um, generalizations that we can make about it. Like, 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 um, I would argue, like, I mean, Hitchcock, for example, right? Hitchcock is a director who had his own stylistic quirks, sensibilities, and tastes, right down to like long leading ladies. Yeah, Yeah. I I would argue that it's entirely possible for a director to have a sense of elements that they like. And Nolan quite clearly likes separated families and non linear narratives. Spielberg and his absent father, but I I would argue that Hitchcock wears that a lot lighter than. Nolan does. You think and that I think he's ah, going to get trapped okay. by I his think, own Yes, I do. And I think, I think Hitchcock's a better filmmaker than Nolan. Technically, <laughs> Hitchcock's a better filmmaker than every I have to say, you're not going to get uh, much disagreement listen, no, you, this You'll be amazed if you go online to see, say that and see him come back. Hit J up on Twitter. If you, hit J up on Twitter. If Here's the better filmmaker, A, and then hashtag <laughs> Nolan Easton. And see who wins on a Twitter following friend. <laughs> I'm going to do that tonight. Watch for the results. Do you? not. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm begging you. I mean, this don't. is the thing with the with the with the sort of with the Cooper comparisons as well, because it's not yeah. like you're going like. Do you honestly think Nolan is a better director than Cooper? Well, first of all, do you honestly think you could rank directors? But this is like to How can you say that Jesus is, is bigger than Nolan? Yeah, I dare you to say that. This is coming back to my general point, though, about you know. A versus B can't both exist. Yeah, but they do. For God's sake. But if you're talking about a filmmaker that is going to continue making movies, and there's certain things that either irk you or that are becoming ridiculously transparent, some directors can have a career like a Hitchcock, whatever, that can just walk it. But then it gets anything, and I'm it not depends. sure. Like you're talking about this, uh, this particular quirk of his manipulated narratives. Among other things, but yeah, I mean, that, even yeah. like or Walker, Walker, or that's the big or whatever. Time. Yeah, yeah. his manipulation of time. Okay, yeah. we'll take that as this particular part, right? You're talking about that, how that is irking you at this point and that you're worrying that it's going to disappear up until we continue with this. Maybe. On the other hand, you're talking about Dunkirk, which has garnered quite a lot of... Okay, you're talking about the Nolanistas and their reaction to it, predictable as it is. But it's also garnered uh, Nolan with some of the best reviews of his career. So it's a trick which, to a lot of people, hasn't, you know... It's not broken, so he's no, not going to fix it. But I'll, I'll, well, I'll say in response to that is, if Nolan can't resist doing that in a World War II film, 
I don't know when he's going okay. to ever resist. I would love doing to see if it's going to be working for a lot of people. But it's, why should but it's, I? But it's not working for me, and I can only talk from my point of view. I mean, I, I don't. Care I'm about seeing this as somebody. Who, <laughs> I am seeing this as somebody who's initially confused by it. But, to be and fair, that, but I think there are problems with it. I think there are clear issues with it. Some people think there are smaller issues than bigger issues, and that's fine. But there's certainly something to be discussed there that that this might be a problem in certain stories, which is why and particularly in a World War II film. I, I, I actually agree um, with uh, uh, Jay. With, with, with Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was unsure whether to say Jay. This gentleman's already here. He's been called for. Yeah. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, I never and, and I And I really, I really like this movie because, um, I mean, aside from it being just a fantastically well made movie, the, the theme, the um, use, that Nolan makes of these kind of devices really it it it's something I personally know that I like you know and and I know that it that it's not going to be to anyone to, to everyone's taste this is I, 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 I like the obsession sure. with time and the kind of playing with it and and it's not because I like the idea of an auteur per se it's because I I like these particular yeah. No, the works that he has. Exactly. Tropes. Tropes. Tropes, yeah, conventions. Fine. You don't dig <laughs> You don't dig his tropes. I, I like his tropes. Adam likes his tropes. Darren likes his tropes. I don't mind his tropes. It depends. It, it works brilliantly in some films that doesn't work in others. My it point is, work. it's like every filmmaker has certain things that may or may not work in certain films. That's all. My point is, that I don't think don't it's think worked it in everything he's made. And he... Like As I said, it's when like is he not really speed ramping? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when is he not going to use it? He won't use it in World War Two films. He won't resist the idea of it. Now, it's like speed ramping a rom com. Yeah, about to say. Well, you know that he, he said that he won't do a rom com, which I'm actually kind of just. I would love a Christmas. No I would love. I would pay. He has a great sense of humor. This is he a. Does, this has it? one great gag. Um, I actually really like that. It's thank goodness I'm in the navy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I smiled at Jesus that. Jesus Christ! You have a low bar for sense of humor. I, that's what you're. At. This is the it's thing. Dry. I like. like it's, it's, it's dry. It's dry. dry. But then again, it's the pretty much like the beach. Yeah, much like the beach itself at that point. But I, I also like. I like the Dark Knight. It's a hilarious film. The Joker's. How about a magic trick? Yeah. That's that scene has no business being in a PG-13 movie. I, I am sorry. This is horrible. Jesus. How much ledger adds to that though? I mean, oh, yeah. I, I've always, uh, let's not blow things out of proportion. As a guy who likes wordplay, I am all over this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. We do the, the, the physical comedy when he's coming out to hitting the thing. Oh, the button that won't work. I think that yeah, I think the argument that Nolan doesn't have a sense of humor is he doesn't have that ironic right sense of humor that we expect from like a Joss Whedon style movie. He has his own. And I think it's a very British sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's probably fair. Quite. Quite. But do you want to talk about the music then, actually? Because I think Andrew mentioned this earlier, but I yeah. think Phil actually is, is very interested in the soundtrack, actually. Well, you it's know. It's Algar sensibilities. Well, it, it, yeah. I, uh, I've actually I picked up the soundtrack yesterday on the CD because, <laughs> hey, hipsters, yeah. CDs are just vinyls for millennials, Phil. They're also... Uh, they're also... Darren, if you ever call me that again, <laughs> he will end you. <laughs> CDs you are what like you get joke. when you can't it's be bothered to download from Spotify or wherever else. <laughs> I'm going to pay for something I can actually own, not a license. Anyway, well, actually, the CD is technically a license. Uh, yeah, but uh, they have to rip it from my cold dead hand before they get it back. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, so I picked it up and... Come at him, Sony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on, watch Tower Music, I'm here. Uh, I paid for it, don't bother. Um, but anyway, um, the interesting about it is, like, yeah, you say, the, you're talking about the, the use of Elgar. I just, I had to be sure that when I bought it, I looked at the track listings on the back and... Uh, funny enough, uh, Hans Zimmer is, you know, his name is on the front and it's his name in the credits. But he's actually, just, he's only a producer on some, isn't he? He's, uh, he's only the co-writer on some. He's employed two other uh, composers here, Lawrence Bath and Benjamin Walfish. Does he have a reputation for this, I believe? He, uh, he started doing this. He brought uh, Tom Holkenborg on board busy. for uh, Batman v Superman. Yeah. And now he's going to be scoring uh, Justice League on his own next time, yeah. I think. Um, I like the franchising of Hans Zimmer. Yeah, it's like Hans Zimmer. Would you say it's a Zimmer framework? Here are my quotes. Indeed. I think to collaborate prevents him from sounding too samey. Well, well, I I have very mixed thoughts on the score. Overall, yes, I really like it. It is remarkably effective. I mean, the whole score just moves like a ticking clock, the thing I really like about it is that as much as the film cuts uh, narratively and linearly around, it's the soundtrack that provides the glue that holds it together. It's like when the camera cuts between different time periods and transitions, the music carries across, which I think for yeah, me like, creates a nice sort of thread. I, like almost all the time that you're in the fighter planes, all you hear is this set. Yeah. This ticking clock of a score, yeah. and uh, then it, that will vary depending on whether you're on the land or you're in the sea. But it, it has that sort of like it isn't. There aren't sharp cuts in the soundtrack, like to the point where like the dialogue in the movie feels secondary, like or superfluous. Oh yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like all the by the music. Yeah. But in the, in this film, which compared to some others where some people have had an issue with it, it feels very deliberate. Yeah. Um, but well, the dialogue's inessential to the storytelling. Exactly, we'll come back like, it's all about you. you can't know, hear the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is fine. Well, when you're getting bombed, it hardly matters. There is, there is, we were chatting about um, thing uh, soundtrack, and you mentioned uh, Michael Levy. Uh, yeah, like there's uh, there's a few influences and, in there. And I know that, that Johnny Greenwood to that as well a little bit because I, I think that kind of and I think Greenwood you probably I. I think they cast a bit of a shadow now. It's interesting because, like, you're talking about uh, film scorers here. So, um, I when we're talking about this ourselves about uh, what I thought were influences on the score, the big one for me. Okay, I don't know if you can call say Elgar is an influence because he's actually the the unique variations actually used. The motif is used in part of the score, and it's a beautiful and rousing piece of music. And God damn it, it got me weeping end of this but anyway yeah um more direct influences uh when you're talking about other film scores a uh, big one i would say is vangelis and you can hear a lot of like chariots of fire which kind of makes sense when you yeah, go to soldier and running on the beach yeah, and it's all you know the british are coming hurrah um i also mentioned mika levy uh who scored jackie and under the skin because yeah. there are moments when you know the tension is being ratcheted up you can hear those screeching strings yeah. all under the skin yeah. on that score so is that the the shepherd's tune or something it's called is the technique that it sounds like mm-hmm. the it's constantly ratcheting up even though it's not so we can you could yeah. just oh, constantly yeah. build without climax oh yeah and much like the film the sport <laughs> is all <laughs> much like my weekend i'm such a child that was my fault well his his own <laughs> he, he heavily references his own man of steel soundtrack as well he, or borrows from it i i didn't hear so much of his uh, 
I just heard a lot of Zimmerisms, not necessarily in score in particular. Zimmerisms is a great word. <laughs> well, it's just, he's one of those lovely, Zim. Yes. Yeah, like, you know, a lot of people used to say the late, great James Horner, they used to uh, monopolize and bastardize his own scores, which was true to an extent, but he had a certain... John Williams does. John Williams, <laughs> yeah, there's another one. It's, they all do it, though, but Zimmer, but it's harder to, I think it's work. harder to yeah, conceal when you work electronically because Zimmer was, is of course that kind of great pioneer of electronic scores going back to when he did um, you know the likes of Rain Man sort of like Pacific Heights back in the late 80s early 90s you know this was you know all these electronic scores since you can credit them or blame them on Hans Zimmer they all have that Hans print it, there you go yeah they do Zimmer great great pr- or does Zimmer frame? He's never done a better score than Tappen, though, has he? <laughs> we're going to put it on Well, look, when we land on Tappen, because we're certain that it's on the IMDb Top 250, we'll discuss that, that in a bit more depth. I don't. I don't anybody who's watched it knows it's it. Just as a curiosity, what would it take to put Tappen in the Top 250. Listeners, what kind of what's the what what criteria? Kind of campaign would it might be all you don't, you'd only event. need about something in the in the in the mark of about a hundred thousand ten uh, sorry hundred thousand votes eight or above. At the moment, given its ranking, it's at about six ish, I think. Right. Okay. So you could inflate that's, that. That's doable. So, <laughs> now, this is something you, you that's that's that would be magnificent. This is the 250's ambition is that by the time we reach the end of the 250, we want Taffin on there. Listeners, or, get at Yeah, in case you're wondering this, this is a Pierce Brosnan yeah. starring thriller from the late 80s filmed and set in Ireland. Dude. If you haven't seen it, do. It is, you will thank us. It is hilarious. It's beautiful. It's wonderful Are we sure we want Taffin and not Fatal Deviation? No, I want Taffin. <laughs> Taffin. Absolutely Taffin. It's, but anyway, yeah, and believe it or not, it is an early credit for one Hans Zimmer on the soundtrack. But... Um, yeah, uh, just to go back then to what you were saying, Jay. Johnny Greenwood, funny enough, Johnny Greenwood, who of course uh, scored uh, the last few Paul Thomas Anderson films, uh, he's a, I think he's a far more interesting composer than Zimmer, and I think oh, that of right. Mika Levy as well, because they are taking chances yeah. with, and undermining traditional. But they're influencing, is what I'm saying, and there's this, there's touches yeah. of it here and there now. Touches, but not enough that I can say that yeah, that's that's not a Hans Zimmer score. Oh it, no, 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 it definitely is. I'm not arguing that point. My point is, I'm starting to hear them yeah. filtering into others. True, but that, and I never hear yeah, But apart either. from uh, when uh, the moment, Sonic wallpaper, damn it, Jay, Sonic yeah. wallpaper. Like there's a track on the score, Supermarine, which is all about uh, the fighter jets and the building tension, all that. But sorry, fighter planes. I beg your yes. pardon. Um, <laughs> Nile is sitting in the corner, looking oh, angry, seething yeah. at me. But besides that, um, like temperature in the room. The drift didn't come until four years later. Kind of I polishing his cudgel. <laughs> Let it go, man. Yeah, but besides, if you, besides the main action beats, I think the best scores, uh, the best tracks on the score, are the ones that he has delegated to these other composers. Um, is is Hans looking at looking for his Zimmer frame? I wonder. I think he's encouraging his proteges, well, he's which is no bad thing. Well, he's bringing he's in, been, like Junkie XL and these different people to work with. You know, it's so a good idea. He's keeping fresh. That's always a good thing. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, I, I think the same thing will happen with with Nolan as well. I I I I I think with. Do you think I'm, he'll ever I'm, give up writing I'm, his own movies, for example? Well, like he doesn't. He does a lot of ones in conjunction with his with, brother. His brother. Yeah. Then he also had. But his brother's now running Westworld. Yeah, the no theme park and the video game. He was too busy and to help on this. Yeah, I'm, he could have done I'm optimistic. Oh, oh. 
Um, really? You, you think Jonah is like I, Jonah is? I would argue more responsible for the stuff that you don't like. Jonathan? Have you seen like Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. he's, he's he called. Goes jo- by he goes by Jonah. Jonah. Oh, okay. Have you um, like Westworld? Yes, I have. Remember Westworld? Yes. You you don't think that there are elements of that that are Nolan esque? Oh, there are. Okay, which is why I stopped watching. <laughs> oh, that's my point. Wait, I thought you were advocating for his brother. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, just, just so we like, know. Jay was confused. No, just because there's a certain filmmaker. You asked David Esquire, right? I think there's certain filmmakers, I think Nolan's one of them, and he's not the only one by some distance, that would benefit occasionally from, an from somebody else's score, or somebody else's uh, script yeah. to film. And I think Tarantino's another one that do it. I think. Like there's, there's certain filmmakers I'd, that I'd agree with I Tarantino actually. Uh, yeah, Wait, Tarantino. What? Tarantino's a writer. He's a fairly good director. A writer. Tarantino's no, because like... he tells us all the time. My point is that sometimes I think a changeup would be good. It's like, it's like Soderbergh's a cinematographer who happens yeah, to be a yeah, good yeah, director. I feel like yeah, was it Mad? Was it, which was he cinematographer on recently? Mad Max. Uh, no, Mad Max. Mad Max. That's clearly the best sort of Soderbergh film that he's done in years. Uh, that's because he only had to shoot it. He didn't have to direct it. <laughs> I do like the idea of people changing up a little. It like almost never happens, but uh, I would like to see that occasionally. Alright, well, Christopher, well, if you're Lenny listening. Lenny Everson very much likes to direct off somebody else's stuff. Who? Lenny Everson. He likes to yeah. direct off somebody else's stuff Someone. and put his own imprint on it. Yeah, well, I mean, but, you know, so to, to, put, to take something as somebody else's and, and make your own. Like, I think that there are, like, obviously, there are lots of. Like, the very idea about tour theory is the idea that, yeah. Woody that, Allen going to somebody else. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Woody Allen doing somebody else's Transformers. <laughs> I would. I would. I quite like I've told you I would give anything to watch Lars von Trier's Transformers movie. So yeah, yeah, let's have Bro, a movie. Yeah. Handicap. I really on, don't I like those. No, I I don't know who that's meant to be, but like no, bombs. I, 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 I kind of want Woody Allen's Adventures. You know, Woody Allen's Adventures. And, and the is, fast cars, they're so furious. <laughs> <laughs> Woody Allen's Avengers. I feel like my personality is my repulsor, Ray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, Woody Allen's Marvin the Martian would be brilliant. And he, <laughs> is he written, directed, and starring? Well, 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 I mean, it doesn't make me very angry. It makes me quite angry, but, you know. Uh, rank, your, rank your Woody Allen impersonations on Twitter. Um, but I'm I, the bottom of the list, anyway. Uh, no, I think <laughs> not. <laughs> but I do think that one of, one of the interesting things about this is it's talking about writing and scripting and stuff like that it's very low on dialogue which is fascinating for an older film especially the script's only 76 pages long yeah well it's only yeah it's only an hour and 40 minutes but like nolan is a director who traditionally writes his themes into his dialogue like and i argue that like one of his biggest influence the most influential things that he's done is to create sort of this climate where blockbusters have to have characters expressing theme through dialogue you know, that whole, well, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Well, that's that, kind of, that certainly works in the context of a superhero movie. Because but I mean, even in Inse- Inception, you have these sort of discussions about, like, Mal, for example. Or in, in Interstellar, you have this discussion about how love is a force more powerful. Oh, I, 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 to take those examples, right? <laughs> okay. You know, no, I, superheroes are supposed to be leading by examples. So they're going to explain themes anyway. I'm, in Inception, that is a narrative-driven thing. They make it essential it. to explain that plot. Jay, right? sorry, Phil, I feel the Interstellar is the exception. That's where I was like, oh no, we're gone. I feel, I feel no. I need to state that that was not a criticism. It was an observation. It's a criticism in Interstellar. I'm afraid there is a point when someone talked about love as a scientific variable, like a scientist, on. by the way, Hang which on. I really liked. A woman yeah. scientist, that's all they know is A love. lady scientist. Well, oh, 
I would argue, yeah. That, anyway, never to mind. be fair, Matthew McConaughey has been driven on by love as well. Yeah. So don't let's yeah, quite put that down. But, yeah, that, I'm sorry. Just Men are just as guilty of love. <laughs> yeah. The sound you hear is Jay raising both his eyebrows. Mm-hmm. I'm saying nothing. Move on. No, but, I'm saying that arc dialogue for a comic book movie is absolutely essential. Yeah. And, and that line that you quoted is iconic. Because, oh no, it is. Yeah, so it is, and like it has to be. Not a criticism. Yeah, like yeah. actually, I feel like I have to. Like you're criticizing everything. I really do. Really is such a harsh critic. Yeah, and we we know I, this. I feel the need to but, say, but no, but it's it's the reason for the reason for dialogue free <clears throat> to and to a large extent the dialogue freeness of uh, Dunkirk is that because it's it's essential for what he's trying to do. So he's trying to make it that you're experiencing this. <laughs> You, that this event is happening to you mm. as, as, about as, as much as it's happening there are in the movie as much as, PG-13. as much as it's happening to everybody as much as it happens to all the soldiers it's also meant to be you're, you're meant to leave well you with feel PTSD. like you're drowning yeah, yeah you feel yeah. like the camera getting close in their faces again yeah. as you point out the 70 mil right the 70 millimeter camera which is a big device which is traditionally used for landscapes being used for close-ups like it's, it's incredibly cost used up on, on, used on a small boat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. on a plane yeah like it's like when Xavier Dolan used a one one frame <coughs> it's just bringing everything into such close focus yeah, you that, can't that's, that's, that's great I really like yeah. that yeah or what Wes Anderson does with the multi-stranded focuses you know Wes Anderson's made a film in, in the Grand Hotel, yeah. Oh, no. yeah. This could be the worst the, thing ever. The focus on <laughs> Tom Hardy of like a person at work. A hero at work. Now, come on. Well, no, yeah. no, but or I, are I, they I, cowards? I, this I really is the enjoyed thing. that. There's, there was, there True. was, yeah. True. there was something. There was like a precision about it and there, well, yeah, there the, was the stuff there, where he marks the, the fuel yeah. down and the time there was nothing kind stuff, of yeah. overwrought to be or, to be a pilot absolutely he's not Luke Skywalker to give you an yeah. example like the, the, the big, was, another example no, yeah. he's a mechanic in the air he has he's a pilot exactly. he's operating a very expensive and dangerous piece of machinery he that's, has to be precise that's yeah, what I really enjoyed because if 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 you had added all of this kind of personality and like um you know like like with, with a lesser movie he would have he would have had all of these one-liners and tom hardy would have had one liner really have yeah. you seen mad max right yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, he's not the right there, 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 there was something there was, bane had some pretty great there was so there was something so ec- economical Sorry, and efficient and and i agree with you it 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 was it was because of the nature of of, of what that person is doing I think another movie might have indulged in in kind of trying trying to add um, all of these fun yeah, yeah exactly banter and answer, yeah. one, it, it speaks against the British war nature of the film rather than the American war nature of the film American films are make, all gung ho they make heroes or they make their their pilots like Top Gun or any of these things, their pilots are, he- are held up as characters. They're literally elevated. Yeah. Whereas whereas the British pilots or the during the war the war the focus wasn't on the pilots or what they were doing. The focus was on the planes. Mm. It's always about 
they are spitfires. They so, are typhoons. Mm. They are hurricanes. They mm. are our planes. They are British engineering. This, yeah, these, the fact uh, that there's a the, man behind them is, is, is irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. Whereas the and Americans were all about the pilot. They yeah. wanted. The, they're all about the persona rather than the mechanism. But I mean, there's a scene where, they, where they're talking about like the retreat, and he's like, "Yeah, we need our planes." The best. Yeah, the best like, thing <clears throat> that the pilot can be is is a functional um, functioning part, part of yeah. yeah. Of the machine, which, yeah. which which I think the movie captures very well. Like there's a yeah. sense that the, the characters are all cogs in some sort of Rube Goldberg. And it's like at the end when uh, Hardy's uh, pilot actually manages to land the plane. What's the first thing he does? He torches it so the Germans can't get it. They can take him, but they cannot take the plane. Yeah, because yeah. it's more important. Yeah, the technology of the Spitfire is particularly of the Spitfire. It was the most advanced plane of the time. I mean, I recall Mark Rylance saying as much in the film. Best plane ever built. Rolls Royce engine. Well, they're still talking about they they. They, the Why Spitfire does he sound now like is still considered to be the height of what was possible with a propeller-driven aeroplane. It, it is beautifully perfect in its symmetry, in the way that the wings work, in how manoeuvrable it is in such a small space. It is yes, but as long as it is few. I think we're moving into the area of popular mechanics. Just you know, just a little bit. Mar- but, Mar- I mean, does anyone? want to discuss Mark Rylance in this movie because I'm 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 a big fan of him and 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 I really enjoyed him in this movie I think along with everyone else in this movie it's all pretty much maybe it was something to do with the sound in the cinema but very loud movie very difficult to hear there's one point where he turns around and shouts <laughs> I didn't know actually. And I was like, what? what but what? Rylance is arguably the only character in the film. Like, there's there's speculation that he's the guy who's. If the film gets a supporting actor nomination, which it probably won't, he's the one to bet on. And it he's. probably shouldn't, in fairness. I mean, <laughs> no, it's when, not, nobody's when, got anything to when, do when, when has anybody deserved a supporting no, no, actor the nomination? Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> nomination. For eight minutes? Which, yeah, eight I don't mind. It's the high watermark no, of what's like, possible. Bear in mind, also, Anthony won for 17 I'm trying minutes. to lead. He won't lead for 17 film, minutes. Right? Yeah, sorry. But nobody doesn't. Does, Practically nobody does anything in this film. The focus is everybody does everything. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I like about the I love how well dressed he was. It's, <laughs> again, it's about the events, not the people. But that's it. I like the which idea. is like that pressure sensibility about the planes. You know, it's not about carry on, which was exactly. the the it was printed in 1939, but never actually distributed. Yeah, that slogan. It was never actually used during the Second World War, but it's come to but embody the spirit. Yeah. Oh, and it's absolutely. But, right. but there was lots of things like that. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, they, they had a Ministry of Propaganda essentially making to say it's the second Dunkirk film this year because yeah. the other one was about the propaganda of making. Oh, and yeah, and there's there's going to be the the yeah. darkest hour as well, starring Gary Oldman, when hopefully Jay will get to hear that impressive version of the Churchill speech. That but that's the second time. version of Churchill on screen. Yeah, yeah because he also had. Um, yeah. Was it Brian Cox? Brian Cox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, but like I'm fine with the film being about the, not about the characters, about the no. the effort. Not, and then about the characters but, but, as and, anonymous. And, and, that's fine. They're, but they should not be rewarded for not. Oh no no, I know. That's all I'm saying. I know. Because we're advocating. The best thing they can do in this movie is kind like of get out of the way. I feel like everything that's I say. That's a general audience saying. Everything I say this so podcast is about the audience. You. Not a criticism, not an endorsement, <laughs> just an observation. Um, what are films are available? <laughs> <laughs> except, except that. 
This week they're not. Going. No, this nothing is going up against this. Nothing is going up against this except, in the second week. Except, uh, except unless, of course, you're Luke Besson in the US. Not wise. Why no, I, I, well, that I mean, was ridiculous. To be fair, here we've got some nice smaller kind of programming like The Farthest, for example, or The Big Sick, which are quite good. But they're not going to challenge it. They're not... Like, your blockbuster slate is empty until... Is it uh, yeah. Atomic Blonde is the next one? Or is when's Valerian out over here? I don't know, but it's from the guy who's talking about... Oh, I'm running scared. Well, I'm going to no, see that's it, the blockbuster. Why is any film running scared out, away from this? Because... It has legs. No one film always has legs. Well, they have legs, but they, it wasn't expected to open huge. You know, it was you know, expected quite well, though. Yeah, yeah, but, but there was room for a blockbuster alongside They're projecting yeah, 40 million and it opened with 50 million, yeah. which is, is a significant <laughs> improvement. Sorry? Uh, like, they're already expected to... to, to, to <laughs> 45,000 yeah. um, uh, US uh, dollars. Uh, but Churchill members, wanted to get back. But they got 300 million. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the budget, do we know? Sorry, I'm not right. 150 million. Yeah. 20 of which went to Nolan, um, as you pointed and out. Five, five went on buying one Messerschmitt, so they could blow it up. fifty is... That's... Like the, that's a fairly recent. You can see it on the screen. That's pretty decent. Compared like, to uh, even Luke Besson spent on Valerian, for he, example. But as I said to Philip, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Valerian more than I'm looking forward to seeing the Even the five. Oh, I, 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 I do like even it. five million euro. Like that's more than I get paid a month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's incredible the amount of money. Yeah. And think of the food catering. I'm you say it. Do a better calculation. Jay just about comes in over that threshold. But think God, that tax man takes a bite From a technical point of view, this was an incredibly difficult film to make because you're filming on open water. Right, which with is IMAX a, cameras. With, with IMAX cameras. Well, I mean, no one's broken two IMAX cameras in the past. He yeah. broke one on the Dark Knight when he rammed uh, Laurie into it. He broke another one on the Dark Knight Rises. Of him breaking that camera. Well, the footage is go... still in the film. Like, the yeah. footage that's used is up until the point yeah. where the Laurie hits it. Yeah. And then the Dark Knight Rises as well, Anne Hathaway or her stunt double drove a bike into it as well. I'd like yeah. to think but, of that. But you're going beyond that in with this because... You, you're dealing with open water you're dealing with they weather you're dealing with salt and seawater uh, and which are corrosive elements on anything yeah. and it's and I mean like they, they strapped the cameras it? to the planes as well like I believe yeah, yeah and you're, you're flying like World War Two era planes, yeah. you know. So they're, they're well. Nolan took himself and the cinematographer up to see what it would be like, which must be the most fun and terrifying research for a film ever. Yeah, for the insurance broker. Wasn't that one of the arguments? Was that one of the arguments for casting no names in the cast? Was it was a lot easier to insure them? Yeah. yeah. Um, so like Wally Fister looked at the whole Not this one, Chris. I'm out. I'm I'm, I'm, I know all sorts of actors, and I've never heard of Harry Styles. Put him in a picture. <laughs> Can I cover Killian Murphy in oil and drag him along the boat? No, all right, Fionn Whitehead, you're up. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. He said that he cast thousands, like, like thousands of auditions. The best one of the audition stories is Barry Keoghan's. Go on. Right, so Barry Keoghan videotapes himself holding a remote control as a gun and changing the batteries in it as if he was putting the <laughs> bullets back into the gun. I like Barry oh. Gill. <laughs> and sent that, sent that off. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a long way from what he got in the end. <laughs> <laughs> he may have been pitching for a different role. But you know what? I like that he put him in anyway. It's a bit like Killian Murphy actually auditioned for Batman, but Nolan liked him enough to make him the Scarecrow. And he, he made a point to give him glasses so he could take them off because he has beautiful eyes. 
He does. He does look beautiful. No, yeah. See, that's why no one is a director of multi-million if, dollar movies. If, so if, if you've been in a room with him, you, they are swoon. And that's why he's made four films of them in which he's put a sack over his head. <laughs> he Niall is actually fanning himself at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch incredibly awkward interviews with Niall and, and Killian Murphy on Scanner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, crashed, he crashed my 19th birthday and I, oh, I, yeah. I, I forgave him because of his... He his, just battered those. Yeah, he battered the one. Killian Murphy. Yeah, well, we good. have a story. Yeah, he was up there for a party of some description. In Sligo? Yeah. 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 He, he, Who would have thought that a cork man would be in Sligo? What are the odds? A yeah. famous cork man. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> a whole separate things. class. Yeah, they're a... I mean cork man. Yeah. Hi-oh. Well, he, he, he's gone surfing, maybe. You know? Yeah. Yeah. surf? I'm sure you've asked it in your... Uh, no... No, no, the interview is literally just four minutes of awkward silence. Killian starts to feel to, uncomfortable to, at some point. To be clear, he didn't know it was my 19th birthday. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't trying to get, get in. Is that what you're it's the hottest <laughs> ticket in town. And, yeah, yeah. No, uh, he really no. sent a copy of this podcast to Killian Murphy. He, he, he drifted across from filming Batman Begins. I felt so bad for Killian Murphy and Stephen Colbert because he does so few interviews and... That's my choice. And yeah, and you understand why, because I think the one of the first things Stephen Colbert says they're like, Oh, do you have lucky charms in Ireland? Oh, I saw and, that was oh, that was and, like, how do you react to that? Do you laugh and seem like I know um, it's a comedy show, but that's not funny. Yeah. Or like like there is no proper way to react to that because it's not funny. I've prepared a PowerPoint so, presentation on the island of Ireland and its cultural history. Exactly. Page one of forty six. But the problem is Colbert is Irish. Oh, he's got Irish in him. Like, yeah, you know, but so. no, no, you know, American Irish. Yeah. They believe in lucky charms and stuff like that. They do. But Bless no, yeah, he's 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 never entirely comfortable in an interview situation no. anyway, which, so it's... Which is understandable. I mean, yeah. actors sign up to act. Yeah, not quite a lot of them don't like interviews. Well, like Harrison did, Ford is a famous He example. didn't even sign up to well, act. He wanted to be a musician. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. You, Murphy, you, kind of you are damn lucky it. to have Killian yeah. Murphy as an actor. Don't push him as an interview <laughs> guest. Yeah, I have to say, actually, I watched a few interviews for Dunkirk uh, lately, and uh, I said, Christopher Nolan does not look like the happiest bunny in those either. Unless you're, unless you're Peter Travers or somebody of that ilk, you know, going prepared. Wasn't there? There was some sort of discussion about the media Blitzford. Apparently, there was some like there was a decision to avoid online only. Um, Hiyo, but to well, avoid online only outlets, I think, or something. Like that. There was a, there were some outlets that I believe were complaining about the focus on press. Well, on there, was a, uh, there was a, there was a little bit of controversy here because of the way that it was structured. That the. Uh, that the, the people who got to interview him were predominantly online rather oh, okay. than the traditional print media. But um, did they offer print media other <laughs> talent? No, I, not that I'm aware of. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and that because there was, a, there was a special junket done for, there was a special screening put on for the people who were going to do the junket. And then Which was, was everyone but myself and John Maguire, I believe. No, there was, there was <laughs> and then there was another, a, a separate press screening later on so a lot of the mainstream press were not part of the the ones who were there oh, who who they got to their junkers and they got a screening what do they want i mean fake what do you news. want <laughs> yeah <laughs> mainstream media fake news but um just in terms of the movie's emphasis or lack on dialogue lack of dialogue because i've been sort of thinking about this in terms of like movies that we've seen this summer we've seen a lot of movies that have tended to shy away from dialogue so for example baby driver 
is a movie that relies heavily on the We've seen this. Yeah. 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 Uh, given that Phil hasn't been to the cinema. And, uh, and, and I haven't seen Baby Driver. And yeah, you've been working on a and thesis. And War of the Planet of the Apes. But the reason being... But War of Planet of the Apes is, yeah, it's basically a foreign film. It's got more subtitles than dialogue. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's because of the... Now, it's not just increased importance of the global block of the international box China? office. It is the absolute dominance of the global box office now. Oh, yeah, Whereas like a film it, will make 200 million in America and a billion worldwide. So, oh, yeah. in order I mean, to the sell international it, box office is a saved movie. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like Pacific Rim, for example. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, it's actually not really that because yeah, whereas, the international box office is where it's at. Yeah. And the, World, the of World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft, yeah. 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 Whereas, it's a amount of money. Uh, World of Warcraft. Yeah. So I did, what we established America. is that America has great taste and the rest of the world doesn't. No, but, but <laughs> the, the thing is that a film like Pacific Rim, which did really well internationally, dialogue is irrelevant in that film. Well, yeah. the same as the tra- in the Transformers movies. That yeah. doesn't They're matter. saying like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a movie that relies more heavily on dialogue and references, doesn't do as well internationally because of subtitle issues and stuff like that. Yeah, and so, but also because... It, it's a child of American pop culture, and so is Wonder Woman and the, these ones that, don't, that well. don't travel yeah. as well. I mean, American pop, pop culture is prevalent throughout yeah. the world, but th- we're working off a, off a more niche yeah. part. Well, I mean, China, all, for example, you know, probably be one of the more remote places for American pop culture. Yeah, but Star Wars nature. didn't do well yeah. at all in, when, in China. Whenever you know? you're watching Fast and Furious movies, you've got all of these people that are in it, they're like, um, well, not not all of these people. You have certain characters in the movies where you're left wondering, um, who is this person? It and and what market and are they designed to appeal to? It yeah. doesn't matter because half of what they say in those movies is, it's about family. <laughs> there must be a load of people. I still yet to see a one. I believe, see a five. I believe <laughs> Neymar yeah. is in the eighth movie. Like the, the Which football one? The Brazilian footballer, Neymar. Yeah. Who's and Helen Mirren. <laughs> in what? So, in Fast and Furious 8. She doesn't you, get to drive a car. She's really disappointed. She's in it? She lobbied to be in it. But she wasn't? She was. She and was, she didn't get yeah. to drive a car. That was her complaint. She lobbied to be in it. She was cast. And then at the end of it, they didn't let her drive a monster car. Helen she was really. Yeah, no, she was, the, she was in Reds, for Christ's sake. Well, this is the thing Red. about British. Like, for all that we respect British veteran actors like Anthony Hopkins and Helen Mirren and Peter Thewlis, they actually seem David to really. Thewlis. David Thewlis, apologies. Yeah, they actually get seem that to, name right to be so respected. They really seem to enjoy, and I don't mean that in the ironic sense of, oh, I'm catching this paycheck. It's like I get to play with these CGI green screens, monster car, action movie stuff that I didn't get to do when I was growing up because I was in the Royal Shakespeare Society. Yeah, exactly. Or Rada. If you yeah. come from Rada, you're not going to get to do the fantastic Bayham. Like, yeah, this is all novel like, for you. you this is like play- a tank in Rada, you know? Yeah, this is like if you were a kid and you were never allowed to play with, like, a train set. The moment that you see a locomotive, that's a big deal for you. To my, to all those uh, wannabe, uh, to all those British actors who want to be those guys who have some fun, best way to do it, look at Ray Fiennes. He doesn't have to resort to uh, to uh, Michael Bay, and yet he gets to have fun and get acclaimed for it. You're right, Spectre is a classic. He's the best thing about that. Not that it's hard, but yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, I am. Well, let's ask the question then, basically. Everybody here, let's go around the table. Before Do we you talk th- about specifics of the movie, <laughs> next section, <laughs> next section is, is the spoiler zone. Where Which we're doing. This, uh, we've covered that. We're at about the halfway point now. <laughs> <laughs> Normally about the quarter point. Um, I like how Darren has given away two of the major things that ha- events that happen is without I, any sort of warning whatsoever. the way all of them is. It's Dunkirk. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. Things that happen to specific characters. 
I But I mean, yeah. I sort of figured early on that we weren't yeah, doing your traditional okay. social. At some point, this I, I realized, hold on, I could, I could stop everything and say, guys, 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 five us, five us, five us, listen, listen, we're, we're, we're not doing any spoilers. But of, of course, there are no spoilers for this movie. And I have a feeling people Look kind George of... George dies. <laughs> That's the only blood in the film. That's true. Yeah, the only yeah. blood in the film. And even then, it's <laughs> I mean, but, but even then, I feel like this podcast feels like three though. separate conversations happening over different time periods. Jason's one is happening over one week because it's going on forever for <laughs> yeah. him. Oh, I'm sorry. Jason. That's all right. What were you going to say? You were going to say. I was going to say, right? So just as, as, before we wrap things up and segue gently into the spoiler zone, where the podcast <laughs> is here, um, do you think this movie deserves to be on the list of the top 250 movies ever made? Let's go across the table and start with Nile. Uh, it deserves to be on the list of top 250 films ever that Christopher Nolan has ever made. <laughs> and some might say in the top 4% of them, yes. I would rank it as like fourth or fifth best Christopher Nolan film, so I wouldn't have it in the top 250 myself. But does the fourth or fifth best... Uh, are there, there are five Christopher Nolan movies. There are like movies. seven Christopher Nolan. seven Christopher Nolan movies in the... In the Out of um, ten, yes. The only ones that are missing are following, following. Uh, Insomnia. It might even be eight then. Oh, good Lord. Really? Prestige. Prestige. Three Batman films. Inception. Interstellar. Memento. Yeah, they're all in there. It's actually eight. Eight Christopher Nolan films. That's not bad. The guy scores a solid B for effort. The guy gets 3% of the entire 250. Yeah. We're going to get to Jay in a moment. So no, it shouldn't be. Andrew? Um, I, I, I feel I really, really like this movie, uh, and yet for some reason I feel like I need to have a bit of distance from it. Normally we go see these movies um, and are kind of just in, and we have to kind of like give a per- perspective of it. I'm actually, fe- I'm, I'm feeling strangely agnostic about this. Well, this is the one that it's in a, it's currently a 37. It's going to be here a while. It it's will. not like, say, it Wonder will. Woman or Spider-Man, yeah. where it's in and out overnight. I, 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 I actually... Or Moonlight or this just, or I, sort of, yeah. I'd, I'd actually prefer Inception and Interstellar, um, but, and I, I, I know everyone has their kind of listing of... of, of, of ranking of, of Nolan Ranking films. of Nolan films, but yeah, I, I might even put this third. All right. Third. That's pretty impressive. Oh, uh, of course. I'm, I'm forgetting <laughs> the, <laughs> the second How best movie films? of all time. Yeah. Or the third. yeah, yeah. Second best at the moment. It was first for one yeah. brief shining moment, uh, and then the Shawshank Redemption stole in. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that wonderful it's online moment more. Certainly not out of place in the list, and um, I I recommend people to see it. Now that you've listened to two hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, the question is, does it belong in the top 250 films of all time? Well, I like the film very much. I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan. I would rank it, I'd say, fourth of his films. But in terms of it being uh, one of the top 250 films of all time, don't be ridiculous. God damn it, people. You go and see other films. I like Dunkirk a lot. Try one that's not in English. Just yeah, for try, it, try it. There's a whole... Or try one that's not directed yeah. by Christopher Nolan. Even that. Try anything. Just... I like Jay's suggestion that the only reason Nolan only takes up a quarter, sorry, he only takes up because he hasn't made more. Four percent of lists is because he hasn't made. I yeah, suspect that's true. Yeah, and I think you're right. But you, <laughs> I, 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 I would also put that a following open 
opened wide tomorrow. It'll be two fifty and a half. I love Nolan, and I love what he's and I'm done. And I like the fact that he, you know, you could credit him for you know a lot of what you know, popular cinema is at the moment in terms of superheroes and whatever else. The influence is there. I don't deny it at all. And to me, Memento is a stone cold masterpiece. But come on, top two fifty. You know what? No, do I need to say any more? Jay, please take over. I am now apoplectic about I think I think you know where right. I'm going to land on this one. Uh, Jay's a hard yes. <laughs> no, of course it doesn't. But, like, I'd be kind of a film in the sense that Nolan, well, no, this might be slightly deviated, but Nolan has made one great film for me, and that's Memento. He's made a lot of good films, and this is in the lower end of the good films. So, even taking the IMDb populist kind of thing of it, that's the thing. It's no, it's the answer. It does not belong it's, there. It's, but then yeah. it's not the only film that doesn't belong there. There are other films there that are a lot less worse. I'm about context. to say, watch, watch where Darren throws a brick and gerrymanders the hell out of this question. Yeah. Oh. Is, is Dunkirk better than The Help, which is on the 250? <laughs> oh. The answer is yes. Therefore, yeah. it is more deserving of being on the list than The Help. Is The Imitation Game still in there? The Imitation Game, I believe, fell out. Yes! <laughs> there are a lot of films that don't say that. So it's, it's, it's all contextual. I would well. say that yeah. if you went down in the context of the 250, it's. Yeah. Okay. But if you went down through the list and went, are, should these things, yes or no, be in the top 250? Yes, no, or maybe. Oh, right? we'd, yeah, gut us. we'd gut us. You would throw out 150 of them. I'd say that's probably, probably yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. So, with that, I mean, it, people will put it there because it's a known film. It's it's middle of the road, no one can me, so can, can we throw out one hundred and fifty? We can only. We are. This is why we have to get. <laughs> we are only ten percent of the way. Yeah, we've literally. We've another nine years to go in this podcast. Yeah. you, <laughs> man. Uh, we just had a very. Uh, we 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 actually disagreed about agreeing. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> we do this. The two fifty bringing people together. Uh, on that note, then, uh, where can we find you all online, offline, wherever? Nile? You can find me at Scanon. So just put that into Twitter or into Google. Or, or into click on the show notes. Yes, anywhere at all. That's where you'll find me. Cool. You can also follow him at Nile X Murphy online at Twitter. And, and that's uh, Scanon, S-C-A-N-N-A-I-N. And for international listeners, that's a hub for Irish film. So if you have an interest in Irish cinema, that's the place to go. Yeah, essentially, it's the Irish word for film. Yeah. So it is. See, you learn something exciting every day, and not just about jets. Um, Phil, <laughs> Plane, I'm not sure we can find you online at the moment. You can't. My Twitter is dead. It's gone. Uh, my Facebook is for friends and fake friends only. And uh, we yeah, can be your I, fake friends. If, if, if you're no, listening your friends, and you used friends. to go to school with Philip, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a friend. No, no, no. If you're if you went to school and we're not friends on Facebook, there might be a reason. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, all I'll say is, Darren, you are a friend, but you're not on Facebook, so hey ho. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I might. You're not a friend of me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Randy. All Randy Newman songs sound the same. That's because of Randy Newman. Anyway, uh, yeah, like, I occasionally write for Scan on, and I have my own blog, which is uh, cynicalfilm.blogspot.com. Or no, WordPress. <laughs> you know what? Just put it into, what, Google. What Just put it into Google. Just Google. Google it. This Google thing. It's marvelous. We'll also include in the show notes. And Jay, where can we find you? I've been knocking about on Twitter, talking shy. Mm. And what's your uh, handle? At Jaycod. J A Y C O Y L E. Easy, yet we have to spell it. And again, we'll. Well, it's for international people. 
who are going to swarm them <laughs> off the back of this. Off the back of this. Come at me, and now. Gonna, and if I'm going to swarm at you, I'm guessing it's because you have minimal dialogue. Yeah. Indeed. And I'm, Indeed. I'm of course at J C O I L. Thanks, Andrew. Kill all my listeners, viewers, and friends. All of I, 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 I get all of the people who who miss the right. <laughs> who typo so, coil, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So oh, yeah. uh, yeah, A A Q U I N N I U Q A, which is yeah. great. It sort of sounds almost sing song when you say it like that. Yeah, that's it exactly. That could be the title of Mr. Nolan's next film. <laughs> you can see why I like Nolan. <laughs> uh, Six Christopher Nolan films are in the top fifty. Oh, for the love of Christ! It ended before I even the top fifty. Top fifty. Do you want to rank them and see where they are on the list and just <laughs> right, sort of see so, how we feel? So, so at, I'm going to start from the bottom. Right, Memento. Okay. Memento is at forty-nine. Wrong. Higher. Prestige is at 48. Higher. What? I like the prestige. Higher. Dunkirk's at 37. Lower. Lower. Interstellar's at 32. Much lower. (laughs) On a different plane. I mean, I'm happier that that, that's there than prestige. But I suppose we all have different opinions. Inception's at 14. And the Dark Knight is at four. Four? Four. Oh, those Nolanistas need to get back on there. Again, I, noticed I love those films and I love Nolan, but people, go watch other films. I and go for Taffet. I about the IMV Top 250, but you are idiots. In fairness, I like two. <laughs> I, I, I want to say, of course, I mean, that two fans of this podcast are not idiots. They're <laughs> I mean, we can't even really agree. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> because who'd have thought opinions on films are so No, in fairness, though, I think we'd agree that six films in the top 50 <laughs> it's is absurd. Certainly, certainly in the top 50, yeah. 12% of the top 50 is, is Christopher <laughs> Nolan, um, which is fantastic. Anyway, I don't think even Christopher Nolan wants that. <laughs> no, I don't think he does actually. Yeah. I think, I think Christopher really Nolan's bank manager would like <laughs> yeah. be quite happy with that. But anyway, you can uh, follow the podcast online at the 250. Um, you can find us on the Black Hole Media Podbean along with other podcasts, including Everything's Left. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, like us, give us a rating, share the podcast. If you like it, tell everyone. If you don't like it, tell us. We'll be back next week, ironically enough, talking about a film on the list that is a foreign language film, Lagan, Once Upon a Time in India, and we have two guests that we're very happy to have there from the Indian Film Festival. So oh, fantastic. That's, that sounds a repost almost yeah. <laughs> to everything else that's gone well, Given the summer that we've had, where it's just been bombarded, we've been yeah. bombarded with new entries, it's kind of good to, to have something that's a bit broader. So Lagan is excellent, so yeah. I haven't seen it. Though. Can we go for a World War Two one? Uh, yeah, I'm foreign language. That's boot at seventy. There you go. When, and Legan was <laughs> number two hundred and forty nine. For a while, it's there. Take it easy. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye. 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 Thank you, Doctor Phil. <laughs> <laughs>